What's going on, guys? Today's show is brought to you by the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped. Summer is coming, and our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0 to complement your physique with a trim from the leaders and male grooming. Summer's coming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using code RBP. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Real Bodybuilding Podcast. I'm here with a close friend, Mr. Flex Lewis. I'm honored to have you on the show, uh, seven-time 212 Mr. Olympia champion. How are you, man? I'm great, man. It's it's great to finally be on the show. I know I had to text you a hundred times to get on you. That, <laughs> you're so full of shit. I, how many times? I think I've started messaging you around like ep- episode 40. And now we're at episode 113 and I finally, wow. Well, this is actually 114. So yes. Yeah. I finally got you here. Thank you. In your defense, in your defense, you, you've, um, you asked me many times and you, you know, I'm not really one to do many podcasts because I find it a little redundant when you hear the same stories over and over again. So I like to do a podcast when something's new, something's fresh. Oh, in this case, you know, we've got so much to talk about because I haven't done a podcast in quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, I know um, I, I know you're not, I never took any offense to it because I know you don't do a ton of interviews, even though you did J's and you did like, oh. I'm, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Fua, this, the, the connection is breaking up over you. I might have to jump off. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, no, no, I know. I appreciate so the, it. So the, the way it came about was you made a bet on the Connor fight. I did. Back at episode like 90, I think we made a bet on the Connor Dustin fight. Yep. And you lost. And now you're paying your bet. You know, you know what is a a humble reminder is that that was the corner Dustin Poignier too. And we've just yeah. done past last past weekend, obviously yeah. Dustin uh Dustin versus Connor part three. Yeah. So I kind of lost twice. <laughs> Yeah, I know. So I had no excuse. <laughs> I know you're a, I know you're a big fight fan, so we'll touch on it real quick because I've talked about it a little bit. I just want to know real quick, what do you think? Do you think there should be a fourth fight or do you think they're like, that's it, they should wrap it up? I'm a massive Connor fan. And, and just to preface to him, I'm a massive Dustin fan. My brother actually trained to, uh, Dustin um, okay. with his strength and conditioning for a couple of a couple of fights in the past. Yeah. Um, when I look at that man, I think you've got everything. He's got everything in the world. What, what gets him up in the morning to, to hit the road? What gets yeah. him up in the morning to, to get kicked in the face, punched in the face, you know, and or deal all these injuries? Um, it's the guy. The guy is just loves to scrap. I know a lot of guys that, that are very similar. They don't have, obviously, the bank account the corner does. They just mm-hmm. love to fight. And they've yeah. been doing it all their life. And I really believe the corner is added to that pile yes he's got the money yes he's got the luxuries but there's something deep inside him that makes him such a competitive fucker yeah and i can relate in many regards you know we have a very similar upbringing i don't want to see connor go out like this um unfortunately it's a very nasty injury it's one that is going to be targeted now by all his competitors that he fights all the way into the future Mm -hmm. but one thing you can't write off is conor mcgregor You've, if you've seen his documentary, you yeah. will know that that guy um, is back on the saddle. He's doing everything possible 
Um, we've all seen the interview of him a day after surgery, driving yeah. around in his scooter in yeah. Beverly Hills or whatever he is. He's in that job. He's great. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think, I, I, I don't doubt that he'll come back. I always just doubt, and this is something I can actually relate to you too, because, you know, seven Olympias, and this actually topic came up when we were talking about Ronnie and Dorian. And um, when you win seven Olympias and you're successful, like, you know, Connor is too. And even though you can come back, even though you can do it, do you still do it with the same drive? Do you still do it with the, the same intensity? Do you still, is he still going to have that same hunger he had when he wasn't this mega superstar with a mega bank account? Yeah. So that's what I worry about is yes, he can come back, but is he going to come back to his former self, that, that hungry fighter? You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Um, you mentioned the Olympian, how I can correlate, correlate yeah. my own sort of mindset in that. Yeah. You've got to have a poor man's mentality. Hmm. You've got to wake up every day thinking that your bank account is in the minus, thinking that you're the underdog and surrounding yourself with people who will tell you that um, you need to pull your fucking pants up. You need to do more and uh, you're slacking. And that's one of the reasons why I've got the same team around me yeah. uh, and have got the same team around me since the get-go. Um, I don't have anybody telling me what I want to hear. I have people telling me what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And in Connor's regard, he, I respect the kid so much because he's got the same team from day one um, that have come up with him. When he eats, they eat. Now, I don't know the dynamics. I don't know uh, the uh, who's choosing the rounds, uh, choosing the, the days to train and this and that. Uh, yeah. For me... I have, again, going back to that mindset side of things, it's, it's a, a poor man's mentality because of my upbringing. And um, my wife tells me all the time, you know, when it comes to doing things to better myself, um, it could be going to the chiropractor or going to massage therapy, massage therapy. I'm like, oh, I'm good, I'm good. But she's like, listen, you need to invest. You know, this is, yeah. we, we have the money. And I'm glad I still have that mentality because it pushes me um, in so many different things, not just in the sport, but in business too. I feel like everything's going to end. Yeah. And, and um, it's kind of like an un, 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 uh, unhealthy, healthy mentality because it still keeps me pushing forward. It's, when I get up in the morning, I'm like, okay, I need to do this, this, and this. And that's excluding what I need to do as a bodybuilder. Yeah. But again, having that poor man's mentality Connor mentioned it going into this fight. And I was like, oh my God, we're going to see a different animal. He says, I'm back on the building site. I've got the hard hat on. I haven't brought any of my family around in this camp. So he was a nasty man. If you notice all his interviews, he was a very aggressive guy. And then when you've got an athlete who has put in so much work and done all that sacrifice, he's sitting on the floor down to an injury. Um, His mind was still had unfinished business. He was still trying to, talk shit, which to me, that side of things, because you know how my, my humility and, and my moral compass. And Connor's always had that mentality of being a humble, humbling defeat. And in this case, I think it was mm, a little a little too much, even even though I'm a massive Connor fan. Yeah. But Dustin handled that whole scenario unbelievably. Even going into the fight, you, yeah. you've seen a different, confident, calm, collected Dustin at... Connor couldn't get under the skin of it. In fact, it probably irritated Connor even more. Yeah. So um, what does he do, mate? Well, I, I, I know you asked that question. What does he do? Does he go back to his humble roots and 
go back to like rocky days and he's he's in the middle of nowhere he's not surrounded by any luxury does that make him have that edge again um and that's one of the reasons why i i i, I created my own camp with the dragons like was to make sure that that edge was there you know there was no yeah. distractions if if i failed it's because of because of your own me and not because of you know guys in the gym that are on pieces or whatever there's something there's, there's something a little bit different so uh and, and we'll get away from connor i just you you the thing with connor is i don't feel like he's going to be able to recapture that hunger because of how successful he is the thing i wanted to touch on with you is you have the same success in bodybuilding and in business and you said something earlier about getting up and and being scared kind of like it's uh, unhealthy where you want to you don't want to go back to being poor you want to make sure you stay successful and I kind of have that feeling too. Do you ever beat yourself up about it though? Because it can be unhealthy and it can be obsessive to the point where you're like, do you really feel like you get to enjoy the fruits of your labor? Like you've done so much, you've done so much in the sport, you've done so much in business. Do you ever get to sit back and really enjoy it? Cause you're always searching for how can I be better? You know what I mean? Good question. And I'm sure there's going to be a few more of these on this interview, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make you go deep. I'm going to make you. Yeah. Deep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I was nervous jumping on because I was like, this guy's going to try and make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to, to talk, well, to touch on that. Yeah, obviously I had seven, seven Olymp uh, 212 Olympia wins and I pretty much enjoyed the last one. I was always with the mindset of on to the next on to the next and um obviously there was elements of me letting it sink in <clears throat> excuse me and enjoying it with um family and friends but that moves on fast you know and my mentality was on to the next what i needed to do how i needed to act um i'm constantly thinking like that too it's like that's one of the reasons why I don't go on too many podcasts because I have to watch my P's and Q's. You know, if I, yeah. I'm very, as you know, as a friend, um, I can be outspoken as can you. Yeah. Um, I'm very passionate, I would say, about certain subjects. And uh, I try to keep that within my close circles, you know, and certain yeah. topics. But in terms of enjoying the moment, um, there's certain things I can say I enjoy the moment of my the birth of my daughter. I was present for that. Yeah. And that's one of, the, one of the reasons why, and I know we'll, we'll talk about touching this later, I'm sure. Uh, I'm not competing this year because I'm looking forward to the next chapter of, of potentially anyway. Mm -hmm. But the Olympia aspect and the competing side of things, I probably had one day off the next day. I'd done photo shoots. I had a little bit of food. And then I was pretty much trying to make that, that 212 again. Yeah. You know, I went to Korea. I went to Prague. I went to, uh, what else did I go? Normally the Grand Prix right away after. <clears throat> And I thoroughly enjoyed them Grand Prix, but I was always stressed about making weight. And pe people would say, well, so don't worry about it. You know, you've the Olympia, the only way you win at the Olympia, unfortunately not. Every show I've ever competed in, in every Grand Prix, um, they legitimately weigh us all in. And I, I can say this on my hand and my heart, I've never, ever missed a weigh in. And that's one of the reasons why I documented so many. So I didn't need that. Uh, issue of saying, oh, he was 218 or whatever. You hear these these rumors after the fact. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I made every single weight. But the last Olympia, the last Olympia when I sat back and like, you know what? You've you've got to enjoy this. The prep was hard. Um, it was it was unlike any other. But I told myself like this, this is going to be your best look. 
And this is a moment that you really need to let soak in. And I, I just remember the small details too, uh, which I'd never even thought about years prior. Like, for example, the curtain goes back and you're going up walking on the Olympia stage. That floor is freaking hot. Yeah. I can remember every little detail. You know, you, yeah. you, you think now, it's like when you're standing up there, them lights are, yeah. are unforgiving. They're so hot, yeah. especially if they've been burning for several hours. That floor was so hot. I just remember looking at the, the first couple of rows that you can see with the, with the light and just seeing everybody's reaction. Before, I would just pinpoint something in the back of the auditorium or yeah. the back yeah. of the arena and focus on that. And I would pause to that, yeah. which is nothing. Yeah, yeah. And in this case, I tried to see reaction and um, it just amps you up to it. It just gives you that mm. feedback that you're in shape, you're doing your job. And, you know, it's hard up there. It's, it's not easy. People think that oh, the, the work is done. No, the, the work is done to that point. And then the pause in showcases everything. Yeah. And um, it was it was great to, to know. Everybody knew it was my last Olympia. Um, it they They give me that sort of, that walk off applause, knowing it was my last Olympia too. Um, can it's I, just so meaningful. Can I ask you though? Sure. So, so I, I call it a blur. Like when I look at back, when I look back at my career, a lot of it is a blur because, like you said, you get done a show, you take a day, a day or two off, and you're back the next day and back to training for the next best thing or the next yes. business venture or whatever it is. So I call it all a blur. When I look back at my career, I'm like, there's not many <laughs> days where I actually soaked it up. So, how do you flip that switch? How did you? How did you all of a sudden say, you know what, this time? Because you're still, still, you're still fighting for the Olympia. You're still fighting against the best in the world. So how did you take stock and say, this is the one I'm going to remember? And how did it feel to kind of blur through the rest? Mm. Um, I just have this, this mindset, which, again, obviously has been fine-tuned over the years. And I would say that that mindset is... Um, well, to, to make the weight, I had to have an incredible strong mindset. And, and this, this is not me tapping my back because sometimes I look back and think to myself, how the hell did I endure the things that I've done? Even if I take this story way back, like mm -hmm. the amount of confidence I had at 21, 20, 20 years old to say to myself, I'm going to leave all my family. I'm going to come here to America. I'm going to fucking do something big. In bodybuilding, there was no 212 or no 202. There was only open. Um, and I only had guys like Lee Labrada, Lee Priest, um, Sean Ray. I mean, that's just quick off the top. That was on the shorter side of things that were competitive athletes. And I wanted to add myself to that list. Yeah. Um, so the mindset, I, again, looking back, I think, wow, what, what I endured and, and what I done. And, you know, people can see success right now. They look at you, right, Fuad, and they'll say, wow, he's, he's got the trucks, he's got the cars, and um, them are just luxuries of that, from circumstances that you've gone through, you, that you put yourself in positions and hardship to get to. People don't want to hear the backstory. They don't want to hear that I slept on a sofa for a year and a half to be around, you know, Milan Sachev's gym and around all the pros. I moved myself to the U.S. to showcase um, and get better and hopefully get into the magazines, you know? And, and mm -hmm. one of the reasons, like, you know, not going all off, off the point here, but one of the reasons why I went to Milos's gym, there was really nothing going on in Gold's gym. Yeah. I moved to a place called Fullerton, got into Milos's gym, and every single day there was a top 
10 Mr. Olympia coming in to shoot with Chris Lund. Yeah. And I got to see what these guys done in photo shoots. It was an apprenticeship. I listened, I learned, I asked questions and I got the respect of these guys. I trained them. You know, Milos would say, Troy Alves is coming in and he's going to train legs today. You've got to train with him. And I would mm -hmm. say, I trained legs yesterday. And? <laughs> uh, and I would get my ass kicked. I mean, I'd seen Dennis Wolf come in and um, come in after the world championships. He was the next big thing. Um, I mean, I've been around Gustav Bordel, Heiko Kalbach, um, Ahmed Schultz. Who else was in this mix? Dennis James. Um, Hide Yamagishi. I mean, I met Hide when Hide couldn't even speak English. We probably, yeah. probably somebody listening to this say, well, fucking hell, Flex, you can't still speak English. But Hide legitimately couldn't yeah. speak English when I met him. Yeah. And uh, that gym was an amazing apprenticeship. And I seen everything. And that mindset started to piece by piece patch itself together. Yeah. And over the years, <clears throat> I had to really focus on what was going on as opposed to what wasn't. And it was incredibly frustrating. I mean, we've all, all these bodybuilders that are listening to this, it was a little bit different back in the day. It was all really based around magazines and sponsorships. Mm -hmm. So the ultimate goal was to get a weed a contract, right? Yeah. And um, that was my, that would have been, if it ended there, I had achieved it. But of course, you up the bar every time. You put more stock into yourself. And when the small little things start happening, that gives you a little more confidence to achieve more things. And I've always been one guy, always been a guy, sorry, to, to up the bar and everything I do. And, and it goes back to what we were saying earlier, you know, things were a blur for me yeah. in, in many regards. But during the time, even if I achieved something small, <clears throat> I put that bar up higher. Never had a chance to, to, yeah. to sit back and go, wow, I, I, I done it. Because I done it became, okay, I've got to do this. Yeah. And the bar kept on going up and up. And I put more and more pressure on myself. And um, yeah, and, and, and the end result obviously is, yeah. But that's what, that's kind of what I was leading to is we move the goalposts. We constantly move the yes. goalposts, right? We're like, I want to do this. And then you get it and you're like, okay, it's not good enough. I want more. And that's why, you know, leading to that last Olympia, you said you changed your mindset and I guess is that the that's the one you enjoyed the most and that's the one you really felt. But go on. Yeah, go ahead. There's been a few shows that I've I've really enjoyed. Um, but that was one of them, yes. So you said you left uh you left Wales. You left you're from Wales, right? Correct. You left yeah. your family. That's I kind of want to touch on that because I'm from Canada and I always wanted to move to LA and do the whole thing, and I never did. I'm but just I stayed grounded and I stayed here and I kind of did the whole bodybuilding thing from home. What's it like leaving your family <clears throat> overseas and just coming over? Like, how do you make that choice? And what did your parents think? And were they supportive? Like, in that moment, were they like, no, don't do it? Or were they like, pat you on the back, you know, good luck kind of thing? How did that, how did that happen? Um, <clears throat> so if I'll take that a little bit further back on the story, hmm. uh, I played rugby all my life, you know, from a very young age. So my path was really paved to play rugby. My grandfather played professional rugby. My father was a uh, semi-professional referee and also coached rugby. My mother was uh, like a team manager that helped get fixtures and stuff like this. So we were a big rugby family. Mm -hmm. My brother uh, was a semi-pro as well. So that path was laid for me. So 
you know, I, I'm sure this story has been told many times, but just for the viewers who haven't heard it, I found a book on Tom Platts when I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. My auntie had attended a seminar of his in uh, London. She was a nurse and Tom was doing a, like a, a tour of the UK. And Tom is very charismatic. He's got that, you know, it factor. He was great with the audience and he done very well with his seminars in the UK. A lot of people came out, even if they weren't bodybuilding fans. My auntie was one of them. She met him. She got the book signed. She got a book of his and full circle brought it back to Wales where my grand, my grandparents' house left the book there and returned back to London. Me being a nosy little 12 year old kid going through a shit mm. in the bedroom that I was staying in, found this book, pulled it out and it blew my mind. I still have this book to this day, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Blew my mind. And there was a, a photo of there's one particular photo of Tom Platt's. How old were you at this point? Uh, I was 12. Okay. Go on. Sorry. Yeah. And he's standing next to Mr. America and you can see that this guy is incredibly young. You know, he's got the, the, the boyish looks, the blonde hair and everything else. And his quads were unbelievable. He must have been about 20-something, maybe, if, if not younger. Yeah. And, and it just blew my mind. You know, everybody at that point in time or growing up, everyone the big arms, went the big chest or whatever else. I just went big legs. That's all I wanted. <laughs> and so, so fast forward, that was ingrained in my head. Um, but rugby was still my, my sport and track and field in, in the summertime. So when I got into, when I got to the gym, and I'm cutting out a big story here, of course, yeah. um, at 17, I started powerlifting to help with my rugby. Yeah. And I, my mother and father have supported me in everything I've ever done. They, they weren't really too sure about the whole powerlifting thing. Yeah. And I, can, I know why, because the first event I ever done, they were cooking uh, you know, bacon and sausage right behind me, and the, the waft of all the smoke was literally blowing all the athletes <laughs> people much was that a lift or not yeah, the yeah. smoke of the of the kitchen was yeah. coming into the to the lifting platforms so my mother obviously was sitting there on the pull-out chairs watching this event and you know they were supportive but you know they were in hopes that this now wasn't going to be my 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 new path yeah yeah so when bodybuilding came around um one of the gym the gym owner of the the gym owner uh, of the gym i was training at he uh, put a poster up and he said, you should do this. And if you do this, I'll give you a free gym membership. And to me, being 19 years old, not having money, not coming from money, in college, I thought like, wow, this is it. You know, I can, I can get a free gym membership. It's going to save me so much money. And it's just one thing I don't have to stress about. Yeah. So I threw myself in, threw my heart into the ring. And uh, that prep was the hardest prep I've ever done in my life. Why? Uh, to this day. Why? It, the, the lack of knowledge. I bought a flex magazine and I, I, I constructed my own diet from a flex magazine and I done depletion, basically depletion diet for about 12 weeks. I was on <laughs> nothing but veg, no fats. I had no clue. Uh, it's, protein, I, it's protein and vegetables. Yeah. So you can see where this mindset at 19 years old was. I was yeah. thinking, man, just persevere. You've only got... 10 more weeks, you got eight more weeks and the countdown kept on going. And the more, the more, and, and the closer I got to the show and the, obviously the better condition you get in, the worse I felt, my yeah. moods changed. And I was that cheeky little, cheeky little fucker in college. And all of a sudden I was quiet. Everybody was like, are you okay? Yeah. And it taught me a lot, that prep. It taught me that, you know, if you want something, you've got to go for me. And I, I mean, listen, I, I grew up differently too, but that prep, if we're sticking on to the point, 
was was one that taught me so much. And uh, the end goal was obviously to stand on stage and you know get a free gym membership. Yeah, yeah. I ended up going through all the twelve weeks, and there was people in the gym that obviously put their input in. It's like I remember now having a conversation with somebody and. And they were like, when's the last time you weighed, uh, you know, p- potatoes or whatever? It's like, oh, I haven't done it like in three, four days. Oh, have two potatoes tomorrow. I was like, okay. Yeah. It's like, it was so all over the place, but yeah. I managed to get there. I managed to win. I managed to to, to win the, the, the teen class, which is actually under 21. Yeah. And right there in that show, the head judge was Neil Hill. Okay. And he came up to me after the event and he was like, hey, listen, you've done great. Um, no, you have to represent the country, which, you know, in, in my country, being a smaller country in the UK, small, you know, the smallest, it's a big badge of honor yeah. to represent, um, you know, Wales against England, Scotland and Ireland. And um, I remember him following me out to the parking lot with my, my mother and my father, all my friends that came from college. And I had, and no kidding, a massive bag of chocolates, candy bars, everything <laughs> that everybody yeah. contributed to. Yeah. Because yeah. everybody knew I, I used to eat both fucking five or six Snickers bars a day in college. Yeah. Yeah. And these guys knew, you know, I hadn't had anything of that nature for like 12 weeks. So this bag had collected itself and I'm, I'm sitting there in the car trying to force feed the chocolate bar in me yeah. only because everybody was watching. That was the last thing I wanted to eat. I just wanted to drink. Yeah. yeah. I remember all this. And then I tap on the window, Neil Hill, this fucker's following me out to the parking lot. And he's, he's saying to me, uh, hey, uh, you really need to do this show. You've you, you got to represent, you know, Wales, your country, blah, blah, blah. And, and I, you know Neil, too. He's got a very uh, unforgiving way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And he, he's got a, a great way of putting his point across, slightly guilting you. And I ended yeah, up yeah. saying, you know what? My parents are there. Fuck it. He asked me some questions. He asked me who done your diet. And I said, I, I pretty much done it on my own. And he was shocked about that. Needless to say, he said, if you do the British, I will help you. Okay. And I was like, wow. And everybody knew Neil. You know, he was the, the pro back from Wales back then. Yeah. And to, so it's like, to get his help, because nobody really offered to help me back then. Yeah. Um, he was the first guy ever. And obviously he was the first guy that had such prestige to help me, I was blown away and I really couldn't turn that offer down. And I remember driving down to see him a couple of days later, I walk in his place. He's like, what the fuck have you done in the last three days? <laughs> how, much, so, how much did you gain? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 nobody told me about this thing called a fucking rebound. So I ate and I ate and I ate and I ate and I, I had cankles and ankle cankles and wrist cankles and whatever else could happen. Um, and we sat down in his living room. He had these unforgiving lights that he'd put into his kitchen living room yeah, for, for yeah. athletes to come over and uh, hit some shots. We'd done my first ever, my first ever diet, which I, I have to this day. Mm-hmm. And uh, needless to say, you know, that, that was it. We were on our run. Uh, so, Neil, so Neil is your first coach and only coach. First and only. That's pretty amazing, man. You don't really hear that in bodybuilding at all. No, I, 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 Again, I feel my upbringing has taught me a little difference, uh, a couple of different things to, to other people's sort of mindset or think, think pattern or thought pattern, shall I say. And loyalty is everything to me. I done a post like two days ago and it wasn't aimed at anybody in particular. Yeah. It was just loyalty is everything to me. I, I, I will give everything to 
my people who give everything to me. Yeah. And it's not like a little black book where I pull out and say, oh, you've done this, you've done that. It's like, no, you know. Like, yeah. I, will, I fucking love food. I love celebrating people's wins. Yeah. And people don't. I don't understand why people don't. Even the people I, I dislike who have, you know, dare I say, fuck me over. Yeah. I don't want to see them um, fail. You know, I'm, yeah. I won't be cheering for them anymore yeah. because it, it is what it is. But I will celebrate, I will celebrate victories um, for for anybody, even if I don't know them. Uh, I've got a lot of good people around me, uh, good business, business owners, athletes uh, here in Las Vegas or in life in general. Mm-hmm. And just, uh, you know, touching base with these guys and saying, hey, bro, I seen, you know, what you just posted or proud of you, whatever else. It's, uh, it's something that really needs to be cultured more because yeah. uh, everybody is on a path. They've got their own, their own destination. Like you obviously have taken hostel, you know, from a concept into what it is today. And now you're giving back to the sport by supporting athletes, paying athletes. You've got so many different things going on, which I'm proud of you. And I've said it yeah. before. Um, I say it to people also that you might not even ever hear about you know, yeah. in t- talking in conversation. And, and that's my point. It's like celebrate people's success, not just the stage stuff, off mm-hmm. stage stuff too. Somebody gives a, becomes a new dad, be the first person to text them or somebody's having a hard day, you know, you get, get, be there for them also, you know, fuck I went off the point you on this. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to podcast with Flex Lewis. It's okay. it's okay. No, listen, let's, uh, let's go back for a minute though, because you keep, you've, you've touched on it about three times now. Sorry, Matt. Uh, no, you've touched on the fact that your upbringing was different. So I, I want to go, I usually go back a little bit with people to, to their upbringing. So mm-hmm. parents together. Yes. I'm my grandparents. One, one sibling or two. I have two brothers. Two brothers, older or younger? Younger. So you're the, you're the oldest. So was the pressure kind of on you to teach your younger brothers kind of how to be? The pressure is on me since I was a young kid. I, that is really fucking hell for what that is. That is really being oh. such a massive drive to me. Don't cry. I'm not crying. <laughs> if you start crying, I'll start crying. <laughs> and I don't cry. My wife's only seen me cry about four times my, since we've been together. Well, this, is, this is the Flex Lou show. We're going to yeah. go, go over your life. So, <laughs> so the pressure, because the reason, listen, the reason I said it is because I know how my oldest brother, because my brothers are all older than me. Yes. My sister is the oldest. And then my oldest brother is like, you know, when my father, basically, this is how important my oldest brother is. When my father passed, he told my oldest brother, you're in charge now. You make sure everybody, yeah. you make sure everybody is on track in their life. That's how important my oldest brother is. So I know the kind of pressure that some older brothers have. So is that kind of what you felt through your life? Is that kind of what you're talking about when you talk about your upbringing? Yeah, like my upbringing, um, I had a great upbringing. My mother and father, my grandparents were all very involved. Um, we never really went without, but we never had, you know, the luxuries or anything like that. My father worked. My father's the hardest working guy uh, I've what ever did, seen. What did he do? He worked in steel for 49 years. That's cool. Yeah. And he would do double shifts. And, you know, when you, and my mother was a nurse, but she was written off as disabled. Both her hips went. You know, and she was, um, she loved the job. So unfortunately she had to stop because of that uh, health issue. So I I had my mother pretty much there all the time. You know, my father would work a lot. 
Um, and when my father was away, I felt that I was the one that really had to step up. You know, I had two, two younger brothers. My little brother probably wouldn't remember this. Um, we're very close. But then I had another brother that's a year and a half younger than me. He would remember all this. But my, fa- my father worked basically to, to give back to us kids. You know, he wasn't working to to have a sports car or he wasn't working to, you know, buy some fucking Yeezys or anything like that. My father worked so hard doing double shifts. You know, he, he would do um, what's called continental shifts. So one week he was working mornings, one week he was working afternoons, one week he was working nights. His body clock was all screwed up. I never heard my father moan once. And I was a hell young as a kid, you know, I'd come home screaming, shouting, fighting with my brother and my father's upstairs sleeping. Um, you, when you get older, you realize just how much sacrifice your parents done for you. You know, both my mother and father yeah. put us kids first. We, we were everything for them. You know, my mother and father wasn't working to really put themselves into a better financial situation. They were working to keep afloat and make sure that us kids had everything we needed to go through school, to do school trips, to have, uh, rugby togs, we call cleats, etc., yeah. etc. Et um, the older I got, I realized that there was kids out there that had a lot more than me. Mm-hmm. Um, I never was jealous or anything like that, but I realized that I could change my life if I worked hard. So going through uh, my younger years, uh, I got involved with so many little different entrepreneurial things. Yeah. If I needed a bike, I would have to save up for it. So what I one of the things that I done was my uncle used to be um, used to keep uh, budgies. What's a budgie? Oh, the birds. Uh, like a parakeet, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like a bird. And he used to yeah. breed, let me show them. And he was very good at it. I realized there was a little bit of money in that. Mm. So I saved up some money from my paper round. And, well, on that note, I remember getting a paper round and asking all the guys around me when their, sh- when their paper rounds are up. Because obviously you only do it for like two or three years, right? Until yeah. you're too old. Yeah. And it's pocket money. I told these guys to come back to me and let me have their round. So what I done then was I had my main round and then I sold their round to other kids. So, so I was crew. taking a cut. I was taking a cut every single week. And this is not something that was, yeah. this is not something that was taught to me. This is something I just like, you know what? I can do this. It was, it, it came, it just came to me. Yeah. Um, so then I got into um, that money I put into purchasing uh, two finches and okay. male and a female. And then yeah. fin- these, these two, two finches, male and a female, you know, turned into to four, into eight. And then next thing I had about a hundred finches and I was selling them back to the pet shop that I bought my original pair from yeah. and I was getting money. Um, I was able to do all these little, little uh, entrepreneurial things at a very young age. Uh, little did I know that this was really would fall into the business side of bodybuilding later on Yeah. Um, and having that sort of uh, mindset. But um, so nobody, nobody taught you any of that. No, you, cause your dad was a, a blue collar guy. Like my dad was like Super. that too. I mean, my dad, this, when you talk about your father, you might as well be talking about my father. It was the same upbringing and they were completely selfless. Didn't do anything. I never saw my parents go out to dinner. Like they didn't even go to dinner. That's yeah, how, true, man. you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so, but nobody taught you these things. You just somehow picked it up and oh. knew that this was how it should be. Yeah. Well, I knew that for me to get out of the, the, the mundane sort of, um, well, for me to, to, to get what I wanted, mm. I had to work for it. 
Yeah. And I'm glad that I had these life lessons. I'm so glad. Yeah. Because nothing comes easy in bodybuilding. You know, no matter how how uh, financially blessed you are, um, no matter where you come from around the world, bodybuilding is an even playing field. You know, yeah. obviously genetic genetics play a massive part, but let's just say that, you know, you take somebody from all parts of the world, regardless of, um, you know, parents' financial statements, and put them all in. Um, and I truly believe the guys who were brought up with nothing will always put more in. Always. They're going to work harder, yeah. They're always going to work harder. There's a mentality thing that comes with being born, um, you know, in a, in a certain um, financial financial situation. And and I, I remember my dad just working and working and working. And it was a, it was a hamster wheel. No matter how much, how hard he worked, there was another bill to pay. Yeah. You know, I've been part of... My, I've been in my house many times where my electric has gone off, you know, yeah. and these all little things of, uh, fuel me, fuel me to this fucking day uh, that my parents done what they've done to get us to a certain point. And I told my mother at a very young age, I told her I would be a millionaire. I told her this very, and, and of course, how many kids say that, right? Yeah. But I said to myself, I'm going to do it and I'm going to change your life, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and this isn't about money or anything like that, but, but it, you know that when you have, when you get to sort of some sort of financial comfort, you know, you, you are going to look after your, your siblings or your, your parents and, and everything else. And I've been able to do that, thankfully, through this sport, give back. What was the, what was the first thing you bought your mom or dad? Pay their mortgage off. Really? How good did that feel? It was expensive. <laughs> Yeah, but at that point, do you look and go, I mean, fuck, I can't. See, I never had the chance to do that because, like I said, I'm the youngest of five. So by the time, you know, my brother my brother and my sister were successful enough to take care of my parents, I'm like, well, fuck, there's nothing left for me. They've already bought them a car, <laughs> bought them a car, bought them a house, bought them yeah. all that shit. So how does that feel? That's actually, I wonder how that feels to be able to go to your mom and dad and pay their mortgage off. And you know what I mean? Like, that's an incredible feeling. It's got to be. Yeah. But you know what, though, man? I, I I just don't like fuss. So I done it and I was like, I don't want to speak about it. Let's move on. Uh, I see. My mother, my mother obviously was, you know, but um, I, I've been very fortunate to to put myself in, in you know, the, into really good situations. And obviously I, I've been dealt bad cards too. Don't get me wrong, but that's, yeah. Yeah. that's fueled me to get to where I am. Um, but the sacrifice, you know, I, I can't get back time that I've missed in my family. Yeah. Uh, I missed a lot of time, Fuad. You know, my, my mother, my mother, we nearly lost my mother. You know, she went through cancer three times. She beat cancer three times. Wow. And my mother would not tell me uh, she was going through it the worst time she was going through it. In fact, it was Neil. Neil was in the UK and, and he just happened to speak to my father or my brother or something. And he goes, reach out to me. He's like, hey, listen. Um, your mom's not doing well, bro. Your mom is not doing as well as she's making out. So I messaged that. I say, hey, mom, how are you doing? She's like, good. You know, how was training going and this and the other? So I was pretty pissed off. I'm not going to lie. Um, I was pretty pissed off that the whole family hid it away from me. They're my mother to told. Shield, trying to shield you from it. Yeah. My mother told my whole family not to to tell me about it. Because it was like that. that it was like that stepping stone. It, it was like that. I, I put everything into this. Uh, this thing called bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. And it was so close to making that next level jump. 
And you know, yeah. I know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. And my mother just didn't want me to come home and uh, be next to her. And, you know, she was like, I've got everything I need. You know, I'm, I've got the best doctors and nurses. That's not the point. I flew home. Yeah. I flew home. I see my mother in hospital. She was not good. Uh, but that determined attitude that, that I have is, comes from her. And uh, my, my father's blue collar work ethic comes, I get that from him. Yeah. So it was, it was a, a tough road. My brothers were very good with my mother. You know, um, I was pissed off at them for a while too because they should have told me. Yeah, yeah. They were scared to tell me also, you know, they didn't want me to, to worry and come back home. Um, but my mother battled it. She came through it. She's now been cancer-free for, oh my gosh, 10 plus years now, if not That's more. Great. Yeah. Before, before we move on from the family, I just want to ask, I want to go back to the original question real quick. When you left... Yes, sir. Was it like a clean break? Or were you like, I'm going to go visit? Or were you like, I'm going to get an apartment? I'm leaving? Like, what was the scenario when you left Wales for the US? Was it a visit first? Or was it just, I'm going to live there? It was. So the first ever time I, I went to the US was um, courtesy of Ed Connors. Okay. Uh, I won the, 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 the British juniors under 21. Yeah. And I get this, this email from... Ed Connors, and I looked at it. I thought it was a freaking joke. I thought this guy was going to, he wanted to fly me out to America and, um, you know, train at Gold's Gym. I was like, okay, bro. He's going to capture me and put me in a little fucking closet somewhere, bring me out for some fun time. I'd be yeah. like uh, in a gimp mask or something. I don't know. But it was, <laughs> you know, it, it was just one of them things. It's like, that doesn't happen strange, to yeah. somebody like me. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and again, it was so it was so big it took me a long time to get my re my head around it the the real opportunity was then and a couple of months later ed had sent me several emails and he was like listen you can reach out to these people so i ended up reaching out to one person that he referred me to another a guy called Kerry case okay an amazing amazing guy from the uk who uh used to put on the british grand prix he's involved with bodybuilding and boxing and and he pretty much said yes he helped uh, Tommy Tovlinson, who he was sponsoring yep. a couple of years prior to that. So I, I full circled back and him and I agreed to, um, to bring me out to, to goals. And I just remember first time I, I'd been to America also. So I just yeah. remember flying out there. I arrived in the early hours of the morning, but because of jet lag, I think being well, eight hours, I think mm -hmm. uh, the difference is yeah. I threw my bags in. And I woke up before anybody in the house. And <laughs> I remember going out to the balcony. Now, bear in mind, coming from the UK, the vision of America was several different things. Yeah. Baywatch, cops, yeah. um, <laughs> fucking cops. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I remember going out to this to, to the balcony. Uh, Ed Connors, just to, to to give you more of an understanding, had a house. He was the owner of the original owner of Gold's Gym. I know you know this. Right? Yeah, yeah, no, I know. The original that, owner of Gold's Gym. Yeah, yeah, and he had a an amazing house on the beach in Venice. Mm -hmm. So, 19, 20 years old, 20, 20 years old. Uh, I remember waking up early, getting out to that balcony, standing there in the fresh California air, looking at the sea, and I just see this little this fin coming up and down. And there's this idiot, me, shouting, hey, hey, shark, 
and <laughs> everybody in the boardwalk that passes the house is a very popular, uh, yeah. you know, the, the board back, boardwalk, board, yeah. Passing, yeah. yeah, yeah, passing Ed's house. Nobody flinched tonight. They didn't even fl flinch. <laughs> and I was like, they saw you still whack jobs in Venice Beach shouting. And yeah. I was just adding another accent, adding to the whole thing. The fucking thing was a dolphin. It was uh, the guy was in the ocean on a surfboard, and I'm shouting, shark. Uh, and this was at five o'clock in the morning. So needless to say, everybody who was staying in the house soon yeah. awoke yeah. to meet the new, new person at the house. And yeah. um, it, it was, uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, he's, he's a Canadian. He was living there with his wife. Oh my gosh. Big, big Canadian back in the day, muscle tech guy, blonde hair. Oh, Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy Freeman? No. Jeremy Freeman. Yes. Jeremy Freeman? Yeah. Jeremy yeah. Freeman. Yeah. I've not seen that guy in a number of years. Absolute class act when I went, when I was there. Yeah. Um, and then there was another guy called uh, Joe Millionaire who was trying to get into wrestling. He was like one of the first ever reality TV stars. He was pretending to be a construction worker. Uh, yeah. Sorry, he was pretending to be a millionaire, but he was a construction worker. Yeah. And he had already done his TV series. It, uh, it had aired. So this guy was like getting all this notoriety. And he was, you know, again, he, I don't care if he's listening. He was a dick <laughs> when I met him. Well, you woke the guy up at five in the morning screaming shark. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, that's true. I'd be a fucking dick too. <laughs> that is true. That's true. Yeah. But you know how it is. You know, it's you meet somebody and your first impression is everything, right? Yeah. yeah. He, he yeah. just he just didn't give a damn to to help at all, and or, or even introduce himself. But yeah, that, so that was, was your experience. So that, so that, was, that was your first visit. visit. That was my first visit, and and then it just opened my eyes for to the potential of what can can be achieved through bodybuilding i'm just trying to get a grasp though your mom and dad are they like good luck son or are they like hey oh, man, you should yeah 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 thanks for bringing steering me back into the question <laughs> i'm not trying to talk i'm not trying no, to no, avoid okay. it i'm not it's trying okay. to call kai, kai green yeah no. <laughs> so no i like I, I like i like the stories i just yeah, i um no i just i I'm always curious because I get a lot of messages from people that are like, my parents don't like what I'm doing. My parents, how do I talk to my parents? So I yeah. just, were your parents just pat on the back from the start or did they like, don't go to America or like, what was that like? It was very nerve wracking for my mother. You know, this is before any of the cancer scares or anything like that. She was, I mean, just being a mother, she was worried. My father is, is on the quiet side, but he obviously showed his concern. Um, it was a great opportunity. They understood that. Yeah. But they didn't really know what bodybuilding was. Um, I touched on something earlier, and I do apologize. I went off. Um, we were talking about the powerlifting. And when I told my, my parents I was getting into to do bodybuilding and doing my first show, they, they thought it was going to be on the same level as the powerlifting. You oh, know, okay. A couple of deck chairs put out. They were blown away by the production. They were blown away by the us welsh we get behind athletes yeah and yeah. there's always an open bar at these bodybuilding shows <laughs> so needless to say once you've got a couple of drinks and these guys there's yeah. air horns there's people yelling there's it's an incredible atmosphere and my mother and her father were like wow yeah. this is this is crazy so then when things started to refall into place over you know within that year because i got that opportunity the same year after the british championships yeah to come to america and um, they were very worried, you know, and, and I told them, I mean, they, they know there's no talking me out of something. Once I yeah. got my mind into it, I'm going for it. Yeah. And she had heard from Kerry Case again, that Ed is legit. 
And after I'd been there, my mother and father obviously have met Ed and met several people. My mother thinks she's like the, the mayor going around the, the Olympia. She knows everybody. Everybody knows her. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it was, it's, it's, it's changed now. But the first, the first couple of years, um, until they, they seen, they seen progression, magazines, articles and stuff like that, you know, they're always going to be worried. And I was always told, Come home whenever you want. Yeah. Your place is always here. And, and because I was told that, it kind of made me feel like I'm not coming home. You know, I'm not, yeah. not going to come home until the mission is complete. Yeah. And even when things weren't going to plan, you know, things weren't, there was nothing going on. There was no evolution. There was no progression. I had to home in on the small micro progressions of the day. Maybe it was just training with a, a top pro. Yeah, uh, whatever it was, and then relay that back to my family. Mm-hmm. Because if I sat there and said, "Oh, this isn't going on," and uh, you know, money's running out, you know, yeah. and, and that's what what I, I funded my own trips. I would go home, I would work my ass off, I'd work on the door, I would do you know what I needed to do to to um, uh, you know financially put myself into a situation to pay for a plane ticket. And then stay on a sofa, one of my friend's sofas, near the gym. How bad? How bad? I know LA is expensive. So how bad was it when you got there? And how long was it? You came from the era like I did, where we got good supplement contracts and we got magazine contracts and we did okay. So how long was it after you got here that you were able to get yourself into a situation with a good company? I think Gaspari was probably the first company you were with, right? Yes, yes. So you went from Gaspari and then you probably had a magazine contract with someone. I did. I remember getting my first ever magazine contract. I was, and where I was, I had a call from Peter McGough, Mm. RIP, phenomenal guy. Yeah. He called me and (laughs) it was more so, it was very surreal even to this day. I remember shopping in Ralph's and coming from the UK, we never had these fat-free, sugar-free things. And I would go to the supermarket yeah, and I would literally, literally spend. <laughs> fucking hell! I don't even know. I know. The, I, think, I know the feeling. Yeah, from Canada, I, yeah. yeah. I know the security there. Always yeah. be thinking I'm, I'm, I'm stealing or whatever. But I would spend <laughs> yeah. so much time there, and I would move really slowly up the aisle, picking things up, looking at the back of them, and I would do this every every time I go to a different supermarket because it we had stuff that. I'd never even seen before. Of course, it it destroyed my gut in the end because it was like (laughs) sugar-free this, fat-free that. But I was up to one of them (laughs) shopping trips again, picking things up, and I had a little flip phone. Yeah. And this thing starts ringing. And not many people had my number. It was more so just to to message my parents on. And it was Peter McGough. I answered it nervously, and he said, uh, hey, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm shopping, Peter. How are you doing? You know, and he said, so I said, we, uh, um, I've been talking about various athletes for the, the forthcoming year and your name was thrown into the hat and we'd like to bring you on. Yeah. And I remember there being a moment of pause and Peter McGough has said this story a few times too. Yeah. And I said, Peter, I, I, excuse, excuse me right now, but I'm going to fucking yell. And in the middle of Ralph's supermarket, I just went, yeah. <laughs> and he is laughing his head off on the other end. Yeah. It was a beautiful moment because we all strive as a bodybuilder during our era to get to that level. Yeah. And you, 
again, I, I never expected it to to happen in that fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and you already, and, you already I, had you already had the Gaspari contract, right? Um, at that time, no. Oh, so you just flex came first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flex came first. I was so still an amateur. So is that where is that kind of the point where you started maybe getting like maybe now you can get your own place? You kind of like get yourself situated. All right, guys, I'm gonna take a minute to let you guys know what's in the Lawnmower 4.0 Performance Package. Okay, in the Performance Package, you get the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, Performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goods. The trimmer is the fourth generation featuring cutting edge ceramic blades to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof too. You can use it in the shower. Make sure you got easy cleanup. Use Manscaped's liquid formulas before heading out to make sure your balls smell good. Use the crop preserver ball deodorant to keep you on your game in the heat. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts with their performance package, the Manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag. Guys, Get 20% off and free shipping with code RBP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using code RBP. Or was it before? It was the first time, it was the first time I said to myself, I can financially afford to stay here. Yeah. It wasn't about, I couldn't live. I couldn't get a place or anything like that. It was just, I didn't have to go back and forth, back and forth and, you know, I remember I was on a 90-day visa at that point in time. So I'd come out for 90 days and I'd go back home, save up my money again, however long that took, a couple of months, and then come back and try and pick up what I left off. Yeah. And it was um, it was a struggle, bro. You know, it yeah. was a struggle. And, and I, I don't forget that times. That's why I say I have a poor man's mindset is because I, I, I don't embrace – I don't embrace what I am right now um, because I know – what I'd done to get there. And it's a scary thing knowing that we even though this will never happen because I put things in place, but I still have that feeling of shit hitting the fan, you know, and yeah. being, and being that athlete where um, it's done, you know, yeah. and it's not going to happen the case, but I, I, I am really, as I said earlier, it's an unhealthy, healthy yeah. version. I get it. Yeah. And it was that that money that I made from weed uh, allowed me to. Um, I didn't have a supplement sponsor, so obviously I purchased all my supplements, my food, yeah, and go out for the occasional occasional meal, you know, to the firehouse or whatever it was yeah. that I couldn't do before. Um, and it was the first time that I could invest in me, the bodybuilder. Yeah. yeah, and you could see that progression. I put everything into it. You know, I was this this such a hungry young kid, but. I couldn't fulfill my true potential because I didn't have the financial means to do it. So this was it. And then after that, going into the British nationals, um, and again, long story short, myself and Rich Gaspari started speaking. He, I think Rich thought I was a pro at the time. Yeah. And they signed me on a Gaspari contract. I had muscle tech also new tracks that were interested in speaking to me. Mm Mm-hmm going into the show and their whole thing was of course you know you used our supplements to turn pro right yeah yeah so yeah. and at that point in time i was using a little bit of everything in all truths yeah uh, i was wearing the free t-shirts that were given me to me at the show so i remember having a free t-shirt given to me and thinking to myself wow yeah 
Yeah. I, I was, I'd walk around with pride, whatever supplement company it was, I was wearing it. I'd go back home. People were like, where'd you get that t-shirt from? Oh, I got it for free. What? Do you, do you miss that feeling? Cause I think about like, do you miss the feeling of when you're starting and every little thing is a success? Like every phone yes. call, every, like you said, free t-shirt, every, yeah. everything is a victory, right? Yes. Cause you get yeah. to a point where it's like, I don't want to say it's a job, but like things become, you're a little more used to things. Yeah. It's like the innocence of like being 25 or whatever, how old are, old are you when you hit success? <clears throat> it's like, uh, it's something you only hit once. Like you only get that feeling once, right? Of that like free t-shirt. Wow, look what I got. I remember mm-hmm. when I signed with Muscle Tech, they, uh, I showed up to a photo shoot with a ProLab bag and they, the guy, well, I've told this story before. I didn't know, I didn't know yeah. brand loyalty, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I go to my first photo shoot. I don't have any of their stuff yet. So I show up with my normal gym bag. It's a ProLab bag. The guy comes over and he's like, uh, I'm going to tell you just before the higher ups get here, if you don't, if you don't throw that away, they're probably going to fire you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I took all my stuff out of it yeah, and, I, yeah, and yeah. I threw all my shit away and I threw the bag away. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, I'll get you a new one. So he comes over with this really nice, like muscle tech used to like, they didn't fuck yeah. around. They used to get the best shit. So they gave me this really nice bag and he's, and I'm like, I got this really fucking cool gym bag. And it was like a big deal that yes. I got. A gym. So it's like, I kind of miss that innocence of like the first time you start to get start to feel success so um listen before we go before we go on i want to i want to i want to take you back a minute to what you said because i want to fast forward to your daughter because you said something about growing up with nothing Mm -hmm. and i always want to ask people because like i worry about this with my own nieces and nephews so you grew up with nothing well not i don't want to say nothing but you grew up you know working for everything you had but now your daughter has everything probably you probably give her everything you're very fortunate to be able to give her everything do you worry at all about her work ethic as she gets older because she has a lot more than you had when you were a kid good question so my wife had a completely different upbringing to me Mm -hmm. completely different yeah. Her, mom, her mom and dad, I love to death. They're very supportive of bodybuilding, believe it or not. Her dad's a doctor. Um, and uh, her, when I met her mom and I, her dad a couple of, obviously several years ago, um, they already had experience. Well, they already gone to the gym. They knew a couple of bodybuilders. Yeah. So my fear was a, a bodybuilder dating their daughter, even though Ali competed she won the usa overall she'd won the jacksonville pro she won the new york pro she she in herself she had accomplished a lot yeah um but uh you know everybody fears especially now i'm i'm a, a dad to a daughter who your daughter is going to end up with even though that's way down the line yeah um <laughs> you know so and i always consciously think about this so when i met her parents i wanted to make sure that they knew that i was going to look after their daughter and i was going to um, make sure that financially we are good. It yeah. was a drive. It's motivation. Yeah. yeah. When we found out Ali was pregnant, I found a sixth gear that I never, ever knew that I had. I was incredibly motivated before that. But finding out Ali was pregnant, I was like, wow, they're, they're, this, is, this is unbelievable. Like, you know, I'm going to be a dad yeah. and I need to step up my game. Um, so, the whole birth and everything else was um, incredible. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed I'd look, to look at this. This little daughter has now turned into 
an, an incredible personality. She's yeah. so confident. More, the confidence she has, it doesn't come from me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. She's a, she sings, she dances, she performs. She's like a, she loves the, uh, the, the attention, I guess. I but, wonder, I wonder if it's because she's grown up in front of the camera. We've seen her because we've seen her grow yes. up from like this little yes. baby and all. Now she's like this, you know, almost a young adult. <laughs> yeah. Run, run, yeah. Run, run, run. yeah. Yeah. We should hear some of the stuff she says, you know, and I, I don't want to sound like that, dad, but yeah. um, I kind of do the, so, so to answer your question, she definitely is growing up completely different to, to how, how I grew up. Um, you know, a toy room is reflective of that, but yeah. Yeah. you know, even though my daughter, my, my wife grew up differently too, we have, have these, um, we, we make sure that she knows the value of things. Okay. You know, my, my mother will send gifts from the UK to to her. And sometimes we don't give them to her. We, we just sit back and wait until she's deserving of it, you know. Yeah. Um, obviously, some things are different. But I don't want her to feel like, the, you know, all these gifts are a part of life, you yeah. know. Yeah. Earning something through behaving, earning something through acting, right, with, with morals and uh, having a polite uh, attitude, please, thank you, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am. You know, these are all the morals that we in, have installed in my daughter. And she will know the value of of a dollar. She'll yeah. also know what her father had done to get to this point. Mm-hmm. Ali is incredible with my parents. You know, she actually speaks to my, my, my mother more than I do yeah. because she wants to make sure that Ali Adi grows up with a grandmother. And obviously, during COVID, we've, she's lost that interaction and my mother and father are very hands-on grandparents yeah and uh we've not seen them since december 2019 wow so um well hopefully god willing this this happens but uh beginning of august i flew i'm flying my parents out to mexico and they're going to quarantine there for 14 days and myself and ali are going to join them on the last five days yeah my daughter does not know that we're going to see her grandparents so it's going to be pretty emotional yeah. i know that my daughter is going to freak out when she sees sees a, a mom key and a dad key which means yeah, grandparents yeah. in yeah so the, the good thing is we have two different worlds right we have yeah. ali's ali's parents and then we have uh, my parents and Nobody's trying to one up. Nobody's trying to gift. Nobody's trying to, you know, be the better grandparents. Everybody works really organically in in the fashion it does, you know. And and um, we're very close to both grandparents, and it's just it's just great, you know. Yeah. That's it. Bottom line. If your uh, if your daughter brings home a bodybuilder, what happens? Well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the questions are getting worse as you go. <laughs> first, first, first of all, when I found out I was having, yeah, when I first thought I was having a girl, found out, uh, my gun collection grew tre- tremendously. <laughs> and my wife was like, listen, honey, she's not coming out 16, okay? So yeah. you need to Take it chill easy. out a little bit. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I definitely, I don't know. Isn't that know. a tough one? It's a tough yeah, one, right? Because I thought about that. And obviously, I don't have kids, but I thought about, you know, because Paul's got two daughters. And I thought to myself, I wonder what I would do if I was a dad. Because I know I'm a good person, but at the same time, I know the struggles that come with bodybuilding. And I'm like, 
you know? Yes. But whoever she brings home is going to be a sit-down powwow. <laughs> and you damn well know that there's going to be a lot of goons in that room. Yeah. And she will return at the time I say. Yeah. There's a scene, actually, from a movie. And it doesn't... I think I know the scene. I just don't know the movie you're talking about. 50 Cent yeah. is in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Uli yeah. the Monster, a friend of mine, is in part of that scene. And there's a guy that comes over to take his daughter to the prom. He's like, let me haul at you for a second. He takes them into the back garage and all these guys <laughs> isn't are training. That, uh, no, isn't that Bad Boys? Doesn't no. that happen? That happens, it happens in Bad Boys too, but it's just the two of them. It's not a group of guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, I, if I use my phone, I'd find it. It's but okay, don't worry about regardless, it. Regardless, yeah. it's, it's a scene that I see. Uh, I watched the first time. I was like, oh my God, this, this is, this is going to be relived in real life <laughs> yeah, yeah. because you better, you better believe that yeah. there's going to be, she's already got a lot of big uncles and probably yeah. that's why she's got the confidence she has. She grows up and she looks at these guys uh, and she's also told me, she's like, daddy, you're small compared to him. <laughs> no. I'm like, <laughs> just say, but yeah, daddy's Mr. Olympia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but right? You know how it goes. She's, yeah. she, she's, um, she's definitely uh, a mommy's girl but we have our own things together and we and you know she's mm. she's got that tomboy little little tomboy side to her as well as the putting on the dresses and the makeup and trying to do everything mommy does but we have our our things that we do together too so it's just pretty cool yeah. so fast forward to this year's olympia you've already announced that you're not doing it because well part of the reason was because you're you want to have another child yes um is that how big do you want the family to be? Is it because you want a boy? Do you want another girl? Does it matter to you? Um, first of all, you know, to have a healthy baby, right? Yeah. Regardless of sex. But um, if I was to have a boy, then it kind of balances out the uh, estrogen in my house. It's me and, <laughs> yeah. me and my bloody dog. Me and my dog, Cosmo. And unfortunately, he's had his balls cut off. So <laughs> it's just me and my own at, at this point in time. Yeah. So I, I would love a little boy. But even if, you know... Uh, another girl comes along it's fine you know yeah. the, i i've can the mindset of of what i've done over the years and i keep on saying mindset not to re sound redundant you but i conditioned myself since 19 years old to be a bodybuilder to be the best in the world no matter what it took and then win and defend win and defend win and defend win and defend seven times yeah and now i'm at a place in my life where my the direction I want to go is now putting my family at the top of the list. Not that they weren't before, yeah, but yeah. There's, there's things that have happened over the years that have kept me solely focused on being the best bodybuilder in the world. And, and right now, I just want to be the, the best dad to my daughter and show yeah. her and be present and enjoy the next chapter that's coming too. You know, am I retired? Absolutely not. And for everybody who, who uh, have commented and, and, you know, I read stuff, don't get me wrong. It, won't, it doesn't suck me in. It doesn't piss me off or anything like that. Unless it's obviously you're referring to my wife and my daughter. That's that you're yeah. stepping over the line there. Yeah. Um, and which has happened many times, but the, for me to stay on track and, and become a better uh, father, a better business guy, and a better bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. There's things that need to happen prior to that. How do you? I'm sorry to interrupt you. I have to ask no, you this. One. How do you juggle? Look, most guys have enough trouble being just a bodybuilder, mm -hmm. right? It's selfish. It's a selfish sport. It takes a lot of time. You know, some guys can't manage just getting their meals in. So 
you become a successful bodybuilder, you're successful in business, which also takes a ton of time. How do you find the time to make sure you're a good dad as well? Just cut out, cut out the day. You know, you've got to, like, for example, when you and I were texting back and forth this morning, I was dropping off my, my kid at school. Yeah. That time of waking up, getting dressed, you know, that's a, that's a critical part. You know, a lot of people don't think that that is, plays any part. No, absolutely. That's when you're asking your daughter, you know, questions about how the day is going and, you know, we're driving to school. Katy Perry is rocking through my speakers because I view, I know every bloody line for Katy Perry, all, all, all of freaking songs. <laughs> um, and we, again, it's father, father, daughter time, right? Mm-hmm. And she's in camp right now. I say school. She's in camp right now. And she loves it, which is more than half the battle. I hated school. Yeah. So I want to listen to what her day is going like. And the little five-year-old is rabbiting on, telling me everything. Um, and um, I'm hearing everything, you know, that, that, I, yeah. that, that if I was subject to being like, okay, well, Ali, you have to take her to school because I have to eat meal three or meal two. And I'm going to go to the gym now. And you know how important this is. It's like, come on, man. That, that's, not, that's not life, you know? You're like, yeah. I've, I've brought this wonderful little human into the world and I have to enjoy this process and be present and ask questions. Yeah. I'm a little guilted to, of preps of old because I was so tired, mate. Um, you know, making that 212 was tough yeah. just to get up and put my fucking shoes on to go and do cardio. You know, six weeks out, I felt that 212 and, and it, was, uh, it was hard, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not to sound like I'm different to anybody else, but only just speaking personally to me, it's, that 212 class took everything in my being to make. I was ready at two, 224, you know, drive me out. I was probably in the 220s or maybe yeah, 220, yeah. 218 at, at worst. Yeah. And six weeks out, I'm looking at the scale and saying, I've got 14 pounds to come off me. And then I still have to be dad, you know, and be present. And it was, it was, you know, it was hard, but the last couple of years, um, whether it it was choice, the first year being 2019 was choice. 2020 was, I, you know, pulled the, the rug was pulled by my wife and, and Neil. And, you know, I, I, I can own that now myself. Yeah. yeah. And uh, this year was, was just not meant to be. There was a few things that had happened. And um, this is one of the reasons why I couldn't jump on a podcast sooner. Yeah. I got COVID for the first time. And, Did you really? Yeah. And I lost... I lost about 30 pounds and oh, it was shit. Horrendous. Yeah. It was. Did you just keep that quiet? Nobody knew about that. Did yeah. There's a lot of things people don't know. Yeah. Uh, you keep your, you keep your shit close to the vest a lot. You don't, you don't talk yeah. a lot about your, it's yeah. funny. You have like a planned, not, a, I don't want to say a script, but there's certain yeah. things you'll let out and certain things you just, you keep close yeah. to the, close to the chest. Um, yeah. I want to go back to a couple more things and then I'll let you go. Cause I've been on for a while, but I want to ask you, so we competed together in 2009 i think that's the last time that's the first time i think i met you it was 2009 we did tampa bay yes i think i beat you and you're up. <laughs> i think <laughs> i could say i mean i could say it was a long time ago i could say it now <laughs> um but no that was the first time i don't know if tampa bay was the europe did you do dallas after or no yes i did so i done the 202 and, and back then you could do the open no there wasn't 202 then that's what I was, yeah. that's that's where i was going with my question I don't think there was two or two that two or two yet. Was there? My first ever pro, my first ever pro show was the Tampa Bay Tim Gardner's Tampa what, show. What year? Two thousand nine. Um, 
2009. Yeah, yeah that I was the year before, and I was I done the tour too, and I done the open. Oh, that's why you did both. Yes. Okay, yes, okay, so you did the open. So yeah. why? <clears throat> okay, so that I didn't know that. I was going to ask you why you went to 202 because mm. you were in open, but so I got my ass handed to me. <laughs> <laughs> and you beat me. Okay, so fast forward, fast forward to you and Hottie. Mm -hmm. So you and Hottie compete against each other in Korea, I believe, right? Now, there was some controversy around that show. Some people had Hottie winning. Some people had you winning. That doesn't matter. When you see Hottie go to the Open, is that a trigger for you? Or did you already know you wanted to go to the Open? Like, I don't want to say it like it was, no. it was his decision that made you do it. But, like, when you saw him take fourth at the Olympia, was yeah. that kind of like a thought to you, like, you know what this guy's doing it or he did Vancouver too. I did, he did a couple open shows before were those kind of triggers for you that, okay, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to come too. No, no. Okay. I don't get motivated by any athlete. Um, and this is no disrespect, like training side of things. If I looking at somebody training, going into the show, I, I, I get like, wow, you know, yeah. look at, look at this guy doing this or whatever it is. Um, and I obviously think now back a couple of preps, you and I would text back and forth. I'd, yeah. I'd have my cardio room going and I'd be watching you, Dusty, just blue collar guys, just yeah. putting their heart back to front, throwing shit ton of weight around. Yeah. So there's, there's not an athlete that motivates me. And even my coach, Neil knows this, you know, the, the, before you'd be like, oh, David Henry looks like this or, you know, Kevin English looks like that. It doesn't bother me because the mm. only th thing that really triggers me is my family, you know, and, and getting them. Uh, and back then it was more so getting into a different financial situation, training hard and, and doing what I needed to do. Uh, and, you know, the 212 and the 202 never paid. So you can't say like, well, you, you win, you win a lot of money because it, it just didn't pay. It, I think the top prize maybe was two and a half grand back then. Yeah. So I never done this for money. You know, my whole goal was to be the best bodybuilder in the world. And then, after winning it, create the legacy. Um, but going back to Hardy, uh, I'm a big fan of Hardy's. You know, a lot of people will try and cause these issues, but what they yeah. don't realize is my, myself and Hardy speak. Yeah, yeah. So when there were all, all these uh, pr problematic issues were happening around the Olympia and all these fans were, were doing the talk for Hardy, it wasn't Hardy because I was talking to Hardy. Yeah. So you know, there was a lot of drama that was created between us. And it's great. Listen, the tickets, it sells tickets. And when, when I jump back on stage, there's going to be yeah. a definite rivalry that has now been created through all the years of not us, for, for us not stop stepping on stage. Yeah. Um, and, I, and again, in that year that I competed against Hardy, um, I truly shouldn't have gone to Korea. I, I knew in my heart of hearts that I could win the show. Yeah. But it was, we were still mourning the death of Dallas, you know, yeah. and it was like three weeks prior to that, three weeks, four weeks prior to that, he had passed. And yeah. at the Olympia was three weeks. And I just suppressed all my emotions, you know, and I went to Korea and I'm normally about 215 the week of the Olympia. And I try to get that three pounds off me, four pounds, whatever it is. When I went to, I landed in Korea, I was mm -hmm. 209. Wow. And I had to, yeah, I had, and Neil wasn't there. Neil was actually in, in Prague with William Bonac. Yeah, yeah. So we were working from afar. It's the first time Neil never came to Korea with me. So, excuse me, we were working from afar on, on, um, on that show. And as much as I enjoyed the whole Korea 
Korean experience, I had to turn around fast home because I had all them threats, you know? Yeah. People were talking about coming to my hotel and they knew what I was. They were talking about my wife, my kid. And I was like, why? wait, 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 why? What is that all about? Oh, well, I don't speak about everything, but I did speak about this before. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, Hardy was getting some shit for it. And I was like, it's not Hardy. It's the, it was some idiotic fans, a lot of idiotic fans that were threatening and, and messaging my wife and everything else over a fucking bodybuilding show. So I yeah, felt yeah. that I, I had a career, I had a Korean tour that was booked. And I, I, uh, I spoke to Steve Weinberger about the situation and uh, I shut off all my comments, um, you know, and, and I just headed home, headed home straight away after the show. Yeah. Um, I was just, I can't say I wasn't worried because I never had threats like that before. Right. Yeah. Um, but I was more so concerned that my wife was having them and my child. So it was just the best thing to do is come home, make sure I was here for them. And, and then life, life moved on, you know, obviously it resurfaced 2018 mm -hmm. went into the show because Hardy couldn't get this visa. Yeah. What people don't realize on that regard is too. I wrote, I, I wrote a, a, um, a paper for him, you know, I, an email, yeah. whatever it was. Letter of reference. Letter, letter, thank you for it. Yeah. Letter of recommendation. I told you before 12 o'clock, I can't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> but I wrote a letter of recommendation because as an athlete, you want to be surrounded and stand against the best yeah. of the best. Yeah. The, the first year that I won my 212 class, people said that, oh, you know, the only reason why you didn't win is because this guy wasn't there. This guy wasn't there. But the following year, everybody was there. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. when the shows, not to go all over the place, was, was one of the most meaningful shows for me because I defended. And I yeah. defended against past champions. And I defended against the, the new up-and-coming guys too. Yeah. So for seven years, after, sorry, for the remaining five years after that, there was always the next guy who was coming to defeat me, right? Yeah, yeah. Again, if I got caught up with athletes and going to my original point here, then I would, um, I would drive myself crazy because there was just so many people coming into the mix. All I could do is control myself, control my narrative, control what I, I, I needed to do. And that's one of the reasons why I opened up the Dragon's Lair because I could eliminate all distractions and just focus on what I needed to do and, um, and, and bring in training partners. And I treat every prep like a fight camp. Yeah, I'm yeah. surrounded with athletes that are, you know, boxers or MMA guys, UFC fighters. And I adopted that mate. That's exact same mindset yeah. of bringing guys in and training with them. You know, I, I brought Frank McGrath in, you know, I brought in John De La Rosa. I brought in Rafael Brando. I've got guys in my gym right now that, that keep me, on my toes, you know, and, and like, I remember reading a saying, it said something like, um, I might not be able to change the world, but I might be able to change the world for one person. Yeah. So trying to give back and give the same opportunities to people that were presented to me, the, the smallest thing, I think we're going back now to what we yeah. said, yeah. the smallest thing, the t-shirt, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I the, can imagine. I mean, some yeah. of these guys, some of these guys get the call from you and they're like, Hey, come down live in Florida, train at my gym under your tutelage. I mean, that's, that's a, it's a big deal for a lot of guys. I mean, that's not, that's not something that happens every day. Um, but I get, I, ju I get just as much out forward. Yeah. Yeah. That, as they do, you know, because yeah. keeping, keeping myself around these young, hungry lion cubs. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's it it, it, it keeps that danger. It, it, it keeps that sharpness. You come into the gym every single day with the ability to be tenacious. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I want to be at the top of the tree. I, I, I don't want to be sitting on the sidelines. Yes, the last couple of years, I've had other things that have happened out. But do you think that I've not sat in that Olympia thinking, yeah. fuck, I could have won this. I'm a so, competitor. You know, I want to be the best. So that's actually an uh, interesting point. I was going to ask you that. How do you think... You think you would have won last year if you did it? I don't train for anything but but first place for That's okay. the God's honest truth. And and I think for every athlete that stands on that Olympia stage, if they're saying to, I'm going to go there to place, then you've already lost. Yeah. So your your mindset when you do the open. So forget the two, forget the two twelve. Let's say when you're going into the open, you think you can win the Olympia. I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't think so. Okay. That's big. And, and, and that's not being cocky because you know my moral compass and you know my, yeah. how, how humble I am. Um, but, but as an athlete, why would you train for a show knowing that you're going there to potentially place in the top three, top five, whatever else? Well, I understand. Go on. I, I'm gonna, I just want to explain for people watching. It's not necessarily that somebody doesn't believe in themselves, but somebody might go into a show knowing – maybe they can win one day, but they're not ready. So yes. they're like, you know what? Realistically, I think I can be eighth this year. Next year, I want to be fifth. The year after, I want to be third. You're coming from a position where I've already been at the top of the 212. I think I can be at the top of the open. I'm coming off an undefeated 212 run. Yeah. And I know what it takes to be a champion. Walking, talking, mindset. It comes with a lot of pressure. A lot of guys can't handle that. Yeah. And know the elevation... Um, the evolution and the, the next level as we've touched upon in this podcast is there. Mm-hmm. If I was to, to say, Oh, you know, I'm going to go in and see how I fare. And if I place it's in the top three, it's going to be good. It's like, no, I'm, I'm sacrificing time away from my family. I'm sacrificing a lot to, yeah. to have that mindset. And in uh, last year, I was so convinced that I was going to, become the champ champ and it's not again to to deep dig deeper it's not because i'm surrounded by people that are telling me this yeah if you don't believe then it's not going to happen yeah. you know um you have to have that confidence in in anything you do in life you know you you start in a hostel it's like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna start it up to you know to make x amount of money and, and be a run-of-the-mill company no yeah you're, you started up your company, you've invested your time, your money, and the stress that comes with it to become the best. And, and look yeah. what you've done in, in, that, in the, 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 the short period of time. In the last couple of years, you've, you've started it up. Yeah. You know, in the, the situation they give back, as I mentioned earlier. And with, with, um, with the mindset you have to have for the Olympia, and if you're not training to be number one, um, then you're doing a disservice to everybody that believes in you. Yeah, and that's what I am. I am right now. It's like everybody knows my current situation. Um, you know, I've given my body a good detox, good clean out. Yeah, I'm fresh. I'm where fresh. Do think, where do you think? I where do you think your weight is going to be? I'm like everyone's really excited to see flex in the open because I know over the years you've told me many times. You know, I don't train for a certain amount of months. I barely eat for a certain amount of time because I can't get too big and they want me to be this size and I, I need to win the 212. And if I get too big, I can't make weight and all these things. So now that you're kind of like 
you know, you're off to the races. There's no, no constraints. There's no nothing. Where do we see, like, what does a flex Lewis look like in the open class weight wise? If I can be in the upper two twenties, that's, that's a completely different look. You know, I've been a, a very restricted physique for so many years. I have photos in my phone that go back to 2017, 2018 preps that I was in the two, 220s then. And I was not making an effort to, um, to make crazy improvements, right? Yeah, I was yeah. always restricted. I was always having to under eat. Um, traveling the world also aided in me making that two twelve class. Yeah, yeah. But now it's it's been different, you know. Uh, during during uh, last year's lockdown and um, co- you know COVID outbreak, I still was able to go to the gym, yeah. and I still was able to really push hard to make improvements. So I was excited to see. Well, I see myself up there, um, the best version of me. And with now, obviously, we're now talking about a different year, 2022. Um, I'm excited to start things in in sequence. The first first part is getting back on the horse, eating um, the required amounts to to get to that to that off season look. I wanted to ask you about that before before you skip over it. Mm-hmm you're probably you're you know you're used to actually not eating in the off season because you don't want to get too big how is the how is the contrast now to like bulking where you have to actually eat yeah. up like are you handling it because i know you're not a big eater no i hate to eat it's probably the worst thing about this sport i i have <laughs> if, if i ever say to any of my close friends or family it's like oh i'm hungry everybody in the room will just turn like i've said something bad because they just yeah. not used to me saying that sentence yeah. so with the last year, uh, the push for the for the open class last year was definitely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went from, you know, two 12 days to making weight. I was eating six ounces of meats, you know, yeah. just to make the weight. And carbs are obviously two meals a day, two, two meals of carbs. In this case, now I've gone full circle. You know, I'm eating 10 ounces every single meal. Um, along with copious amounts of carbs and, and veggie. How, and how sluggish are you? <laughs> I've enjoyed myself over the last, when I had my stem cells back in December. Fuck, um, there's so much shit to talk. I know, man. I know. I, I was just, talk. okay. No, but I just, because I wanted to ask you about all, I have, listen, I have like a whole like thing and we've been going for an hour and a half. Are we I'm, really? Yeah. Anyway, go on. I'm sorry. Go I, on. I, I can keep, listen, if you want to keep going, I keep going. I, I want to, I, I want to keep going. It's fine. I just go I on. Have, so, I have the no time restraint. You, I have booked off the whole morning just for fun. <laughs> because otherwise I don't want another call saying I didn't eat, I didn't answer this. And you know, I'd be waiting all these months to do this video. It's comes from my side to you too, bro. So okay. the stem cells in, in December. No, no, but don't, don't go to step. Well, finish the, finish the thought about the bulking. How are you? Feeling, oh, right, 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 right. Are right, you feeling, right. are you feeling sluggish? Are you feeling like, how are you getting through it right now? Yeah. Right now I'm, I'm obviously on my, on the, on a different phase. Okay. Um, but and, when and, you're bulking hard, like, cause I know like when I, when I'm bulking hard, I can't. Horrible. Properly. Horrible. So, and, so this, I, and I have a really bad digestive system. So I mean, I'm, I'm taking handfuls of digestive enzymes with every meal and uh, trying to just get that meal down. I mean, I, I'm not afraid to, or ashamed to say I've liquidized so many meals. Have you really? Yeah. Like, blend, like blender, like steak and rice blender? Yeah. Yeah. I turned it into soup. It must be a UK thing. I know a bunch of guys from the UK who've done that. It's 
Neil is not a fan of it because he feels that, you know, he doesn't want me doing too much of that because it, he wants to have my, my body, the ability to digest and, and uh, you know, utilize the enzymes and everything else. And he thinks that liquidizing everything is not going to yeah. be the same effect as if I was eating a wholesome meal and then it digests in my stomach over a period of uh, hours, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. is pretty much in and out. So I've done... Yeah. I've done that route and, and that's what I was ending up really falling heavily on before I had to pull out of the, the year last year. Yeah. Um, I had my injuries, but I also had my gut issues that resurfaced. I haven't really touched too much about that, but yeah. there was days where I would eat uh, a meal and throw up and I'd have to start all over again, you know? So it's all part and parcel of, of the unknown, the unspoken about and doing what you have to do to become a champion. You know, when you put that mindset hat on, it's, it's an, it's, it's, it's a, it's a long road to get to the, to the top, but you know what you need to do, you know, and, and the process of getting my meals done was a massive part of, of that struggle. You know, the training was not a problem. It yeah. was the food. Can and, I ask and, you a, yes. a question about that? I, um, so one of the things that people like about f when they follow me is that I kind of let it all hang out. Like, you know, whether I got injured or whether I had a bad day or whatever the fuck it is. And sometimes I feel like I tell too much but you're kind of on the flip side where like nobody knows about these little issues. Like, do you feel like it's better or important to you to kind of keep these things to yourself? Or do you think it's better for people to know that even at the very highest level of success, there are places where you falter? Mm, over the years, I kind of keep a lot of things close. Like, listen, if it, if it has to be known, I will speak about it. Yeah. You know, it, it, like for example, um, having to pull out the Olympia, there was obviously yeah. that question of, you know, why? Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, then the narrative gets spun and people are saying it's because of this it's because I'm, I'm scared. It's like guys that, 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 that hits a nerve for me because I've gone on the road every single olympia a lot of other mr olympias will not do that or any Miss olympia category female to male in fear that somebody is going to pop up and beat them i stood in front of athletes that um that i've never heard of before from different countries he uh, hardy was one of them yeah, yeah i went to other countries to do that so the case of me being scared or anything like that is absolutely asinine it's, it's, it's a joke when i hear it. it pisses me off too but um with what was the question again <laughs> sorry Matt. i was thinking like small things like you're talking about gut issues and i'm yes, like yes oh yes yes is yes. it is it important for because i feel like people get a lot of value out of hearing that look at how successful this person is but he goes through shit days too because a lot yeah. of these people a lot of people that watch because i get these messages from people a lot of these people think that it's smooth sailing for us yeah, we don't have issues and you don't have gut issues. You don't have injuries. You don't, you don't have a nagging knee or you don't have a, you know, your daughter didn't need more of your time that day. Or like and people don't realize that even at your level, at the very top that you're going through these things. So is it important? Do you think to relay this message more or are you happier just kind of keeping those things to yourself? Some things I keep to myself um, because I don't want people to see it as an excuse also to, to hear yeah. something going into a show and be like, oh, well, that's a crutch to fall back on. Yeah, yeah. I just don't say anything at all. And in, in many cases, I have the intention of saying it after the fact. Uh, but I don't. I just I keep it in. And again, because I don't do many podcasts, 
uh, th- these things just get suppressed. Yeah. And in the ca- in, in our case right now, you know, we, we mentioned the stem cells and injuries and stuff like that. I had all these injuries that came from rugby. Yeah, I've been training with injuries since I got into this sport at 19 years old. Yeah. Rugby is brutal. Yeah, I mean, I've been kicked and punched. I got my my nose broken. I've got scars all over my hands from fighting. Yeah, uh, all these teeth are fake. Are uh, they really? Yeah, I got. I've been punched. Listen, I've given as good as I got. I'm I'm a I'm a redhead, <laughs> yeah. short man syndrome. On yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. I would pick on the biggest guy, and sometimes I came out victorious. Sometimes <laughs> I lost the tooth. Yeah. Um, but yeah. the, the the game of rugby taught me so much, and that was that it's always started and ends on the field. Once you go back right. to that clubhouse, you buy the guy who knocked you out, and the guy not knocked you out, the the guy that I knocked the teeth out of, a pint, or vice versa. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you shake hands about it and it's left. It's never brought any anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of what we were speaking about, um, last year I felt the need to really open up. And I yeah. put a couple of videos out there on YouTube. And for everybody who, who doesn't follow me, for shame on you, you need to subscribe. <laughs> who is going to put all my information down below? I'm going to show you. <laughs> you know, we're going to go over here. Watch. Watch this. And, yeah, and I put the, a, a two stem cell videos out of what I went through when I went to Columbia Medellin. Uh, and I wanted to be real. I wanted to be open. I wanted to showcase that me skipping the Olympia wasn't because of something. I went to Columbia and I went there to better myself. Look at this. This is Flex Lewis's uh, YouTube page. Please check it out. Subscribe. And uh, He's got a ton of good videos here with all these different athletes. Yeah. And your stem cell videos are on here as well. Yes, they are. They're, they're, they're in there somewhere. Which is something I wanted to really ask you about because I'm old and injured. And mm-hmm. oh, and for those listening too, if you don't already follow the two million followers, if you're not one of the two million, this is flex flex underscore Lewis. For those listening on audio, this is an Instagram page. And I want to get into this. You're really badass, Jim. But before we get into that, let's go. Um, the stem cells. I'm old and injured. And how much does it help? And how much does it cost? And if you want to talk about cost. Absolutely. <clears throat> it's incredibly expensive, number one. You know, I mean, it all depends on what you regard as expensive, right? If, if it's going to change your life, then it's absolutely worth every single penny. Yeah. I went to, um, I went to Columbia back in December. It was the week after the Mr. Olympia. I tried mm-hmm. to get in sooner. This place that I went to is so popular. It's, it's probably the most uh, sought after place with stem cells uh, yeah. on the planet. Um, yeah. I, I done a lot of research. I asked a lot of athlete friends of mine. Uh, Frankie Edgar was out there. Usman has been out there. Uh, a wide variety of USC fighters. So I looked at them. Yeah. And I dug deep into the athletes who had been there a year prior, not the ones that had just been there. Yeah. And yeah. them the ones that I wanted to ask. And Chuck Liddell was one of them, and etc. They all said it's changed their life. Really. But don't expect the first couple of months to be life-changing because it takes a long time to culture. You know, you're, you're, you're putting in um, these um, high quality stem cells. You've got to allow that time for them to heal, to repair and do yeah. their job. In my yeah. case, I had my shoulders, my elbows and my knees done. That's what um, I need. Yes. Yeah. And for listen, mate, it, this company's called bio accelerator. They, they reached out to me uh, after I, I, 
obviously uh, sent my my inquiries to a couple of athletes. Yeah, uh, I spoke to uh, the head of uh, marketing and sales, and they said to me, "If we can change your life and you can get back on the Olympia stage, then that would be game changing, and also it makes them look good." Yeah, so of they, ended up, they ended up taking care of the whole procedure for me. Wow, tens of thousands of dollars, and I want to thank BioAccelerator for that. You know, I, this is not me. I was pushing the plug or anything like this. I'm speaking openly and honestly. Yeah. I went there. Um, absolutely amazing staff. The, the care and attention is put into my my time there, my trip. And they have people coming in every single week. I was there for a week. I yeah. done hyperbaric chambers. I even got to see a lot that. of Columbia Medellin. Yeah, yeah. We did the, the stem cells, believe it or not. Once they've had done, they encourage activity not training, they encourage yeah. movement. And my knees and my shoulders, my elbows um, were really stiff. They felt yeah. swollen, but yeah. in moving and doing things, it definitely uh, alleviated that. So, that sort so of after you get it done, yes. what do you have to change? Like, can you still eat like a bodybuilder? Can you still train like a bodybuilder? Or do you have to rest? Like, how does what, that... I, what, what I chose to do was completely focus on the rehab and... The, the the speed of getting back into the gym. I know, I, but what did, but what do they tell you to do to do that? Is it more rest or more active recovery, like rehab type of stuff? So I couldn't train. I didn't okay. train for two months, maybe three. Yeah, that focus was solely on again making my making sure that this investment that I had done, yeah, um, as if I had paid for it myself, yeah. was done in its in its full full focus and uh you have to i, I up my collagen thankfully yamamoto nutrition have um, a great range full range of of quality supplements and yeah. i really took to the extreme the collagen yeah. you know i overly use the collagen and uh glutamine and everything else and aminos but my body weight dropped dropped dramatically and yeah. the biggest thing for me was seeing what was an Olympia physique yeah, that I had to, you know, say bon voyage on the mindset of, of, of believing I was going to win to then be like, well, now it's now on the focus and just seeing my physique just wither away like a balloon shrinking away, you know, yeah, that was the hardest thing. Um, but, but seeing the, the physical change and the, and the pain that was now gone, I was, I, I was like, wow, th this is unbelievable. So the, the first couple of weeks or the first two months, you don't really see too much change. You, you yeah. want to guess, you want to be like, does it feel? And, and you feel like, oh, this is a complete waste of time. But I was told by several athletes that three months, you're going you're gonna to feel something. And at yeah. six months, it's game changing. Well, I'm past six months right now. And I can tell you openly and honestly, it's game changing. I used really? to wake up every single, every single night, several times a night with my, my shoulders in so much pain. I used to sleep with pillows under my arm yeah. and they were throbbing and I would just suck it up. I didn't take painkillers. I've never fallen into that trap. Yeah. I've never gone that direction. Um, I, I ended up having a cortisol shot against the advice of the doctors that I was working with. They're very anti-operation. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Dr. Uribe and Dr. Uh, Rogerio of the Miami Dolphins. They were 
instrumental in my whole career. And that's one thing I miss about Florida is them guys. But even them in the end were like, okay, listen, we're going to give you this cortisol shot. It's a Band-Aid. Don't go ballistic. What happens? No, I get a no. shot in my shoulders. I can sleep. I, the first night, I slept like a baby. And I, and I know I think you have a very relatable story. Yeah. I slept like a baby. And I trained like a fucking maniac. <laughs> I knew it. I trained. I went in. I was like, man, I was shoulder pressing, five plates aside again. I was doing all this crazy stuff. Stuff that I love to do, you know? And we all love to do. Yeah, yeah. But what I didn't realize, well, I did realize was that, you know, once this wears off, it, it's worse than ever. Yeah. And, I, and I had the, the small little feelings that started to come back. And then next day I wake up um, after a couple of days of these small little, um, like, oh, I think, I, I think this stuff is wearing off to be like, boom, back. And you're in pain again. Uh, next thing, what's, what's happening? You're booking another appointment That's to right. go in and have another cortisol shot. And I caught myself being like what the fuck am i doing how many did you do before you're like enough cortisol shots uh i done i done uh two in this shoulder three in the other one yeah because i think that's how guys end up with really serious tears because they keep yes. on masking that pain over and over and it weakens the tendon and weakens the tendon and the next thing you know you're like you're yeah. in for surgery so take that story yeah and now apply it to today the only thing i've done different for what is stem cells so, All but right. it's, but it's, it's not, that's not a bandaid though. Now you've actually healed the area. Yes. So yeah. when I pulled out, obviously the, of the Olympia, I ended up sitting back and going like, okay, if this is no, this is now it. I now have to full, fully focus now with the same mindset that I, as if I was going to do the Olympia into now becoming healthier, bigger, stronger, faster, whatever you want to say and repair these yeah. these old nagging injuries there's no way i could have been able to do that in any show circuit here there's no yeah. way because it takes too much time and, yeah. and us bodybuilders never focus on um on looking at healing of our injuries we're always no. thinking it's like oh, we gotta get bigger yeah. we'll train yeah. around it whatever we'll the train around it yeah train around um, it that's the terminology yeah yeah and i've done that many preps and in this case now i was like you know this is a sign from god pause work on this this uh on this time and we can um come back a, a better bodybuilder than ever before injury free and yeah. obviously I, I was hoping this this year was going to be that year but unfortunately never it, it didn't play out but i'm okay you know mentally 2019 was a hard year for me to get my head around obviously i uh, 2020 i'm sorry yeah 2019 i i was the one that sat out to um uh, put that size on when when i really should have competed yeah, I yeah. Met, that's your Brandon one, um, and this is not nothing to do with Brandon and Rocco yeah. Brandon. This is me being the competitive athlete sitting at the Olympia, looking yeah. up and like, "Fuck, I should have competed." I remember that. I remember that year, and I remember a lot of people talking. Not, not like you said, not any knock on Brandon, but I think you would have. I think you would have done really well at that show. Anyways, I I don't know exactly where, but yeah, yeah that was a, a miss, missed opportunity. But hindsight's twenty twenty. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Um. So what's the name of the stem cell place? Bio Accelerator. Bio Accelerator. If you're listening, uh, you can have free ad runnings, ads running on the, the Real Bodybuilding Podcast for life. Just give me a call. We'll set, <laughs> set, set something up. No, um, You were a no, great candidate, though, Fuad. I'll be honest. With all your yeah. injuries over the year from hamstrings and shoulder yeah. issues, you know, I, I've always followed your career, obviously, as a friend and, and a fellow athlete. But yeah. um, you well, are the... I've wanted to try it because I keep hearing people talk about it. And I'm like, and then when I knew you got it, I'm like, man, this gotta be something. Cause 
everybody keeps talking about how good they feel afterwards. Yeah. You've got to go overseas though, because fortunately in the US, that, that's another question I guess asked too is, why didn't you do this in the US? I could have had it done taken care of and free in yeah. the US. Yeah. But the FDA is obviously stringent with, with their rules and regulations and mm-hmm. it, they won't allow you to put something in your body that's not from your own body. Yeah, but so that's why you can do PRP and, and and you know advanced PRP. But with with the stem cells, they take an umbilical cord, and they take um, you know everything that's in there. They culture it, and they create more millions um, yeah. of stem cells. And with with that being said, you know that there's there's such um, there's a process that gets you to that point. A lot of paperwork because yeah. they, from their end, they want to make sure that you know, these stem cells are shown as the best in the world and the quality and where it's come from. And also make sure that, you know, you as the recipient has to do all the blood tests and make sure that you don't have something that you can accuse yeah. uh, the, the, the clinic of getting. So mm-hmm. uh, there's, a, there's a lot of steps to before getting to the actual stem cells process, but you can see where they've come from. You can see the quality. There's a lot of certificates and, and, um, Again, the proof is in the pudding, right? That there's, yeah. there's been life changes to many people. I'm not just talking athletes. People have gone there that uh, have uh, spinal issues. Um, they've gone there to have, um, you know, stem cells in their head. They've grown yeah. hair again. Yeah, I could grow just, hair again. I, I think that you Maybe could. I could. That. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I heard that the U.S. has a different process, though. My doctor told me, my sports doctor told me that there's a process called scaffolding. Hmm. Where, where they actually can, because some people think that the stem cells go in and then they just go to where they're needed. And he's like, no, he's like, that's not how it works. There's like a process called scaffolding where they actually cause the stem cells to stay in the area they're needed. Hmm. And apparently that's not being done in the US. And I, that's also part of the reason why uh, I shouldn't do it there. But anyway, it's something I'll have to look into. So what is, for those people who don't, aren't Mr. Olympia and they can't get a sponsorship, what's like a, a ballpark price. It's, it's in the you don't tank. even know. You don't even know, do you? They're just like. Yeah, I think it's in the. I think it's about you know. The last time I looked into one, it was like twenty five grand. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't. Wouldn't doubt that. Yeah. It, yeah, it's pretty expensive. But again, what is the value of health, right? What is the value of waking up in, not in being in pain? If you have yeah. the financial needs to do it, then do it. Um, I know a lot of people that are listening. Uh, not in that situation and i was very very blessed and very fortunate but i was going to pay for it that's the reason why i reached out no no but wait a minute i think anybody in the in anybody with any common sense would realize that this is part of your job it's a business expense yeah Yeah. it's like if it means you getting back on stage and getting back on stage healthy then there isn't really a question whether you should do it like if i wasn't 42 Mm -hmm. and i was let's say i was 35 and i had five more years of my career left i wouldn't it wouldn't even be a question i'd be like Mm -hmm. i'll borrow the money from someone or if if i don't have it right yeah no when it comes to your career it's a different different story altogether so um a couple other things the gym how's it going oh you know your gym i think every bodybuilder in our area our era has wanted to have a gym because you had your gym in florida first because we've all well because we've all seen it we're like man this guy has his own fucking playground where he goes (laughs) and trains whenever the fuck he wants nobody's there he just does whatever it's like I think we've all seen it, and now I kind of find I have, a, have finally have a small taste of it. But yeah. um, what's it been like having your own place in Florida and now having this other monster in in Vegas? 
So I started up that gym the, the first year after winning the 212. And the, there was in Boca Raton, Florida. I found a, a, a skeleton shell building. And I turned it into what is the Dragon's Lair, you know, and the, what people knew of the Dragon's Lair in Boca Raton. Uh, yeah. At the time, Arsenal strength was still in its infancy stage. You know, we were growing the company. But I bought, oh my gosh, I must have bought about 40, 40 pieces of used gym equipment, all different colors, all different shapes. For the Florida, for the Florida, for the Florida gym? Florida, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was all hand-picked. And um, to your point, it was a playground. It was like Toys R Us, right? Yeah. So I had a lot of friends that uh, once they obviously I found out they had my gym, they wanted to come, but it wasn't it wasn't a buddy buddy type place. It was a place to work, place of non distraction. And over time, of course, you know people realized that. But uh, at first, it was there for me to win and defend, and it turned into something much bigger. You know, we had fans that literally flew into Miami, drove to the location in Boca Raton, knocked the door. Some couldn't even speak English, and what made it worse was when guys like Rafael Brando, who's a superstar in Brazil came yeah. into town. I had all these Portuguese speaking fans that couldn't speak any English knocking my door, cr literally crying. They're so passionate, the Brazilians. I love my Brazilian fan base. Shout yeah. out to all the Brazilian guys watching this. Um, and they, these guys and girls were knocking the door and asking if they could come in. And, and we just, we weren't set up as a gym. It was a private facility. Yeah. And as the years have gone on, I've replaced a lot of the, I've evolved. I've replaced a lot of the old school pieces. Uh, got rid of them, sold them all. And I, I started changing changing that then to the Arsenal strength range. Yeah. Uh, when I committed myself to doing that transformation, I, I changed the gym completely, you know, spray painted the wall. And this was 20, this was 2017 um, after Dallas passed because I, I didn't want to really, I wanted to get out of that gym. It, yeah. it, it, it haunted me, the good memories and the bad memories. And I just wanted to get out of it. And my wife turned to me and she said, why are you running? And I couldn't answer her. I couldn't answer and told her, why am I running? This, this is a place that had more good memories than bad memories. And, and when I say good, I mean blood, sweat, and tears, right? Every yeah. workout that you yeah. can remember, every brutal one, every person that has come into town that, that has shed, you know, shed a, a, a tear under the hack squat yeah. was a memory. Yeah. And I was running away. So I decided to change the whole gym, keep the shell, keep the memories, and I legit, legitimately turned it into a fully functioning gym and didn't open it up to the public, still kept it closed. I had some trainers that came in to subsidize the rent. Yeah. But ultimately, from 12 until 2, every single day, that was my time to train. And um, it was wonderful. It worked out fantastic. I was able to win and defend, you know, five times, uh, having had that place. But as the evolution started happening, I realized that it was the, a demand for people uh, for, for a demand for uh, f uh, fans to come to the gym, right? Yeah. There was there was definitely something there. So, yeah. so myself and my wife, during lockdown, started looking at different properties in in uh, Florida, which is incredibly weird, by the way. Try going to look at properties with people opening the door and running with masks on, so we yeah. couldn't come close. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. But we done it. We persevered. We found a, a couple of buildings, but every time I walked in. It wasn't in my heart. It wasn't the Dragon's Land. If I was to move something to another location, it had to be game-changing. Uh, one of my best friends and a business partner in, in a different uh, business I have, he lives in, um, he's living in Florida and also living in Vegas with his businesses. 
Yeah. And he starts sending my wife real estate porn of what you can get in Vegas compared to Florida. Price-wise, yeah. Yes, price-wise, yeah. uh, especially Boca Raton. And one of the price prices that shocked me was the cost of warehouses, you know, yeah. well, the ones he sent, which yeah. was completely fucking shit because it was, it was like a, a red hair in just to get my attention. <laughs> but it got my attention. So me and Ali booked a flight to Vegas, didn't tell anybody. In fact, I had pre-recorded some stuff from a couple of days prior and I just drip fed, fed it in so nobody knew, knew no different. I, yeah. I, I seen a couple of people in the airport. I was like, do me a favor, guys, don't post this until, yeah. <laughs> until yeah. for a couple of weeks. And we started house hunting and we started uh, obviously looking for commercial real estate. And, and when I found the current location, I fell in love. It's, it's located 10 minutes away from the strip. It okay. backs up to the 15, which is the road that goes all the way to the, to the LA. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was two buildings that I looked at. I walked in the corner, corner unit. Then I, I went then out and went into the building that's adjacent to it, uh, next door to it, I'm sorry. And I said, I want both. So wow. I ended up knocking through the wall. So one yeah. uh, one side is offices and lobby, uh, seating area, and the other side is all gyms. So it's about 12,000 square feet. Oh, total. nice. Yeah. And it's potential to expand to because the, the building next door to me, um, you yeah. know, could be an option in the future. But in terms of what it's turned into, everything I do, I, I expect... Um, I, I just put put my vibes out so high and to see something now that is coming full circle and and turning into what I always loved and and dreamed that something could be mm -hmm. uh, in such a short period of time has blown my mind you know yeah. I told a couple of key athletes that I was moving to Vegas because I heard they might be doing too and as soon as I committed myself to doing this project yeah they all committed themselves to moving so with with the from the get-go, I had guys like Sean, uh, Sean Roden, uh, Shanique Grant, uh, Danny Hester now is at the gym, Mark Anthony, Jay Cutler. We have, um, you know, so USC fighters boxes. So you are fully moved from Florida? Absolutely. So what's, with, what's going on with the Dragon's Lair in Florida? Is it closed now completely? Um, well, we sold all the equipment to a trainer there. And, yeah. um, and in the meantime, somebody purchased the whole building. Okay. And they purchased the building and they, they kept the gym. So all I said was, you know, you can't show any branding, no Flex yeah. Lewis branding and everything else. So yeah. they, they ultimately moved into a, into a shell of a gym, you yeah. know, with, yeah. with purchasing the whole building. But everything but, happens for a reason. So you, uh, don't own, so you don't own anything in Florida anymore. Your whole life has moved to Vegas. So originally I was going to keep the Dragon's Lair in Boca Raton and that's what I planned to do with the trainer, but with yeah. the, the person who purchased the building that um, unfortunately never, never went, went to place, but I, I negotiated all licensing mm -hmm. and um, what he can and can't do. It was going to, it wasn't going to be a franchise and, and it wasn't really going to be open. It was just more so of keeping the Dragon's Lair alive in yeah. Florida. Yeah. Um, but as the world works, you know, I'm glad it didn't happen. Because yeah. I have no intention of opening any other Dragon's Lair gyms in the U.S. This yeah. is a destination gym. And, you know, I've had many people that have reached out and wants to franchise and asking me uh, about being part of it. And if I was to open up 
several gyms all around the US, the, the Vegas location will lose its it factor. Yeah. Uh, this will ultimately turn into uh, destination places around the world. I would love to see something in Dubai. I would love to see something in London, yeah. uh, et cetera. And um, we can get that, that energy that once was myself and yourself turning up to Gold's Gym and buying the T-shirts and, yeah. and, you know, just getting that experience. So we have a lot of day passes. Um, last month, we had just at 800 day passes. Let me ask you, how do you like living in Vegas? Because I love it. I am thinking about moving from here. Really? And I like Texas, but I mm -hmm. love, I love Vegas. Like when I, and I'm not talking about the strip or any of that shit. I just like, wow. I just like Vegas. Like I've, I've enjoyed being out there whenever I've gone out there. And uh, how do you, do you like living out there more than Florida? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, Florida give me a lot. I, I had, eight wonderful, well, I'd say six wonderful years in Florida. The last two years that I was there, I felt I hit the glass ceiling and evolution. Yeah. And I'm all about networking and, and doing things outside of the sport. Uh, I love growing the sport or, or introducing the sport to people who maybe have a, a perception of it and then yeah. breaking that perception. Um, yeah. You know, Vegas is uh, in the short period of time I've been here, maybe six months more doors have opened for me because of, of my old connections mm -hmm. and relationships I've built of old um, than anything happened for me in the last couple of years in Florida. So Vegas is, is such a, a transitional place that everybody comes to Vegas at least once or twice a year, right? Yeah. For, yeah. Whether it's for, a, for a, a show, a fight, vacation. And with all these athletes that you – you're seeing on the uh, Instagram page, the Dragon's Lair page, you know, we've had, um, I trained with uh, Action Bronson uh, like last yeah, week. Yeah, I think I saw that. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yesterday uh, we had a, a band that came in and all these are people that I've met and, and known for quite some time, but it's gone full circle now. So mm -hmm. they'll reach out and say, hey, I'm in Vegas. I can't wait to check out the gym. So we have celebrities that are coming in uh, every single day and our members are kind of used to it. Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, there's some that are superstars, but in respects, they all allow these people to come in and train, and then um, they stay around and take pictures. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great environment, and the the energy that's in the Dragons' Lair is honestly second to none. I've I always wanted uh, to have this this gym turn into what it is, and that is culture and yeah. a a way of giving back, right? And the, yeah. all these athletes that are there, you know, you can you can just walk into the gym and then you get a Mr. Olympia that's showing a guy that's doing his first show how to pause. Yeah, yeah. Um, you see uh, maybe a UFC fighter that's showing somebody how to throw a, a, a right hook, you know? Yeah. And and then you get somebody that is overweight that's in their own transformation yeah. uh, stage in life being cheered on mm -hmm. by so many members it's, it's just a phenomenal environment and that's why you have to culture that because bringing bad seeds into the gym trust me bro i'll get rid of them i had yeah. i had that gym in florida for seven years and as you know i didn't allow anybody in even my close friends it was just a place of business for me and that's my mentality i went in there i closed the door it was like i was clocking into work yeah everybody knows my mentality changed you know you can ask any of my old training partners when it came to the olympia i was so i was so intense the meetup time every single day was 11.30. If you weren't there, fuck you. 
You started, we started at 12. Yeah, we started at 12. We came in 30 minutes before and we would get the whole, you know, how's your mom? What's happened in your yeah. life? We yeah. mix up the shakes. Come 12 o'clock, we were walking in that gym and it, we owned that place, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and with, with, with the situation I have now, I closed the gym down for one hour a day to, for COVID cleaning. Yeah. And I don't know how long that's going to last for, but I was able to get away with it thus far. But I train, I try to start training at 12. Yeah. But we have so many fans that come out at 12 that I'm normally taking pictures until, you know, quarter past 12. And then obviously the gym opens up at one and the, the flood of people come in. Yeah, yeah. And um, But I, I, I love it. I know that I'm very blessed to now see the next up and coming athletes that are that are yeah. coming through that gym and support them on their 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 um their goals and their dreams just by having them in and under that roof do you do you enjoy being an ambassador of the sport because when i think of the ambassadors of bodybuilding i think of you know you and jay and there's certain people that you want to talk about bodybuilding and you want to you know, present bodybuilding to the world. I think you're one of those people. So do you enjoy being that person that's at the gym representing all of us? Absolutely. On the road, whatever yeah. it is. I love breaking the stereotype yeah. that people have about bodybuilders. You know, I've been very fortunate with my sponsors to fly all around the world in a, in a certain class, you know, whether it's business class, first class, whatever. And I sit next to CEOs, CFOs, and they see me eating every two to three hours on that flight. And obviously the questions get asked, but by the end of that flight, they have become a fan because yeah. I haven't talked about bodybuilding. I've yeah. talked about business. I've talked about family. I've talked about whatever. And these, these people now have gone full circle and they actually have come to a few Olympias. They have yeah. no interest in, in uh, supporting any other athlete. They just, we have that connection. Yeah. And it's all stemmed from, um, you know, just, talking to talking to, to, to somebody and finding water on the same level. Yeah. Again, business is of huge interest to me. So I'll ask questions and a lot of people, you know, obviously you don't know who you're going to sit next to, right? Some people just don't want to talk. Yeah. But um, in many cases that, you know, when you're sitting next to somebody for like 20 hours, you know, that's the, yeah. eventually you're going to talk and it's normally, uh, I try to make it about them than about myself. And if yeah. the question gets asked, then and, and sh just shock them you know you don't want to i don't want to be that cliche bodybuilder that's why i have such pie in the sky uh dreams to what i want to achieve mm -hmm. you know the if i said to myself at 19 that i wanted to do this that's ridiculous but yeah. as the years have gone on i put these tangible goals out and then i put these lofty goals out yeah and a lot of these lofty goals have achieved a lot of these um bigger goals now that I'm chasing. Uh, I really, truly believe I can get it if I match the correct step. I watch my P's and Q's and I watch, and I do what I need to do. You know, I'll always be an ambassador of the sport. I'll never turn my back on, on what was uh, and what has given me such a foundation and a platform and, be, and, and also changed my life to yeah. be able to now support my family back in Wales and obviously give back to and support my, my family that is here in, in the U S so yeah. it's uh, it's sad to see some people have no names mentioned that have uh, achieved such great things through this sport and, and, and now turned their back in it, but I certainly won't be one of them guys. Yeah. That's good to hear. I mean, that's essentially what I try and do with the podcast is take people's perception of who we are and 
kind of give them a little bit more uh, <laughs> backstory so they know that we're human. Yes. Um, okay. A couple things and we're going to go fast. Your cars. <laughs> yeah. I've always been interested in your cars. A lot of people don't know <laughs> that you, a lot of people don't know that you're a car guy. Yeah. And so I'm going to out you a little bit because I know you don't like to talk about the things you have, but I have to. Mm-hmm. So what cars, <laughs> what cars do you currently, how many cars do you have in your collection? And you don't, I guess you don't I, have to tell me all of them, but. I, I, I don't, mate. I, I got rid of a few when I moved to um, to Vegas. It was the, the transport costs of shipping them all over the bloody place. Well, how many did you keep? I had a, um, I had a 69 C10. Um, 69 which, C10, which is a nice. Yeah. Do you Fair. have any of these? Is this yours? Yeah, it's still that, that I've got. That thing is a beast. I love that. Um, that's a Jeep Gladiator, which I put way too much money in. You don't have your, I think you have it your picture of your truck on here somewhere but it's got to be yeah, way back way down I, because i don't post post them you know not not that i i i look down or anything like that when i i see people um you still have this cars. no that's that's me driving <laughs> around. Uh, i had a gtr i got rid of it just you before. got rid of the gtr I did. i'm getting it but i'm getting another gtr though i i missed that's probably one of my regrets i got rid of the gtr just before covid and are you getting the new GTR, the nicer, like? Yeah, well, that's, that's, yeah. Sleeker Sorry. one? I waited. That's one of the reasons why I waited, because I was going to go into a, a newer model, and uh, they've cha- they made some changes to the new GTR. Yeah. And I was waiting for that. But then I heard that they've pushed that back now to 2024. Yeah, all the nice cars are getting pushed back. Because I was thinking about getting the, uh, the new Corvette Z06, and now that's a 2023 model. Yeah. So, so you're looking at the GTR, you have the Jeep. What else? Um, I've had, I'm a speed guy, but I, I shouldn't be. I've got a Hayabusa. Do you really? Yeah. I didn't know um, you ride motorcycles. I don't. I had it. <laughs> and then I went my wife. And then so you my, had kids and you're like, fuck it, yes, God, that's yes, it. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else? I got like little toys, you know, like these crazy trikes and yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever else. And I've got to get in. I got to get into some of that shit. Yeah. Uh, I'm, right. yeah. That uh, it's nothing really fun. Other than what's your what's your Range Rover? What's what's your favorite? If you could have any car right now, the pick one exotic, one daily, and and one fun Ooh. car. Can you pick one exotic, one daily, one fun car? Do you have any off the top of your head? I would get the the GTR again. That's your exotic. Mate, you know what? Though? I, I've driven, I've driven cars like Ferraris and Lamborghinis yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff. You don't like them? They look sexy, but they're so impractical. They, they, I've, I've heard so much issues with these guys. Like, listen, if the money wasn't of no object, then maybe I would have something, you know, in the collection. But yeah, um, I'm just, I'm like a, a basic guy. I mean, I, I enjoy. Okay. My, okay. Yeah, I've got the Jeep right now, and obviously, I went from the GTR to the Jeep. Yeah, that's that a big a that's a big change. Change, yes. <laughs> oh my god, Fuad, you have no idea. And I was regretting when I was driving this thing. I was like, "What the hell have I done?" But it took me six months to get the Jeep yeah. because I, I couldn't I couldn't uh, strike on what I wanted. I drove so many different things. I went the whole yeah. dad route of an SUV, and oh yeah. man. But we're looking at right now. Um, uh, what are we looking at right now? New the new Navigator. Oh, nice. I'm looking at the Escalade. Maybe we're yeah. getting, does that mean we're getting fucking old? 
Well, well I, you're going from a lifted <laughs> you're going from a lifted Jeep. I'm going for a lifted truck. You're getting a navigator. And I'm going to escalate. <laughs> well, the, the reason why I'm going that direction is because I'm trying to add to the family. So uh, yes, I, I guess I sound old. Yeah, I have no excuse. I just want a yeah. big, comfy vehicle because I'm old. Yes. And... Yeah, we got the Range Rover right now, and that's that's kind of Ali's car, you know, for the yeah. safety aspect of things. And um, but in the future, there's there's a couple of key cars that I want, and you know, I mean. I'm not stupid with my money, yeah. but I would I would get another GTR. I I do miss I do miss that ride, and believe it or not, it's actually more economic than my bloody Jeep. Yeah, like, I don't I don't uh, you know what my Corvette was the same way because it had a it had a I forget the fucking name of it, but it would, it would cut four cylinders if you weren't speeding. So you're like basically driving a four cylinder car until you need it. Yeah. So I'd be driving around, wouldn't be spending any gas really. It was like I know. The truck is a fucking monster. It's like it, it's thirsty as fuck. Yes, and the wheels and the suspension I have in this fucking thing is like ridiculous. I'm filling up every like three days. Yeah, but tell me how fun it is sitting up fucking that high. Oh, it's <laughs> for somebody that's five foot five. <laughs> I didn't even mean that. Can, you can see why Guy Sistanino has so much road rage in his truck now because he's like he's king of the road right until he jumps out. But. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to hit you with a few fast ones. Oh, here we go. Favorite condiment? Uh, barbecue sauce. That's your be-all, end-all, like if you had one for the rest of your life. It used to be ketchup on everything, but ketchup ruined my gut. Okay, barbecue sauce. Favorite cheat meal? Sushi. Sushi. Uh, how many uses of a towel after showering? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if my I'm, wife had my way, one. No, but, but I, if your if your wife didn't clean up for you, how often? How long would you use a towel before watching? Oh, back in my bachelor days, one fucking towel for the week. <laughs> That's how I do it now. Oh, really? People, yeah. People got mad at me. One towel yeah. every five to seven days. I guess. Yeah, I think I'd use it twice probably because my my wife would see it wet and hang in, and she'd throw it in the laundry basket. I got to change my fucking, I think I'm the odd man out here. Everybody I've asked is like two, three. All right. Um, I have to ask you this. I don't, I don't want to ask you this because you're Flex Lewis. I'm not going to ask you this. Okay. No, no, I can't ask you. You're Flex Lewis. Oh, whatever. Uh, Okay, fine. I'll ask you. I asked asked Brandon Curry, so I have to ask you. Yes. Do you wipe sitting or standing? Sitting. Oh, thank God you're normal. Okay. Um, Spoon if you're eating chicken and rice. Oh, Fuad, listen, bro. You and your fucking fork. <laughs> listen, man. I have I have two spoons. One for pre-contest, one for off-season. Yeah. As you can imagine, not wanting to eat and hating to eat. It's yeah. the it's a huge spoon. Oh, because you shovel. And then and then come contest time, I've got a baby spoon. Yeah. I, I started pushing that whole baby spoon before it became a thing. Yeah. And obviously I I I've always been um, a spoon guy. I can't. I can't see how what anybody. What's wrong with you? Fork. I can't see how anybody. What's wrong with you? you? Pick up rice. The thing falls through the fucking fork. Uh, are you a barbarian? When I you go am. To, when you go to a restaurant. <laughs> when you go to a restaurant, they give you a fork. They don't give you a spoon. Right. That's where the, the 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 political correctness comes in. Yes, yeah. I eat with a fork and a knife at a restaurant. Yeah. Um, I've but, decided to give in and say if you're at home. A spoon works, or if you're eating with a bowl, a spoon works. Well, you wouldn't have to give in because you had no fucking choice, Smith. Yeah, I did. It's 50 
It's 50-50. I did the poll online. It's 50. Yeah. It was right down the middle. Yeah, I voted on that poll. Spoon. <laughs> I think it's because of the genre I'm in. Yeah. Bodybuilders are all barbarians, so they like to try to shovel as much fucking food as possible. So you're a sophisticated eater is what you get. I'm at. a sophisticated bodybuilder. That's why. Yeah. I'm very more civilized. Um, <laughs> Flex. I've, we've done, we've gone way over my normal time for these things. You have no idea how much I appreciate you doing this. Cause I know Absolutely. this is not, not your thing. And, uh, I, I want to thank you very much, man. I can't wait for you to get back on stage. I, I'm a fan as much as a, as a friend and, uh, always watching, always inspired by you and, uh, always hope for the best. So I, I want to thank you for coming on. Is there anything you want to, anything you want to say, anything you want to promote or anybody you want to thank before we go? No, I just, uh, I guess in summary, you know, it's first of all, thank you very much for, for bringing me on today. What is it? Episode 114? 114. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's great for me to be part of the growing legacy that is uh, now uh, very, very well supported in the industry. And, and um, you know, it's great for me to see you now being like one of the king of podcasts and the bodybuilding scene. A lot of people talk about uh, your podcast, and not to, to prolong this year, but you won't believe how many people have hit me up after Con- uh, Connor yeah. lost the first time. <laughs> it's always in my DMs. It's so aggressive, too. Yeah, These people say, when you want to form a fourth podcast, honor your word. Honor your word, honor your word you prick. It's so like, aggressive. <laughs> so aggressive. So for everybody who's watching, thank you very much. We, we had the plan to do this. And... Um, Obviously, there was things behind the scenes that didn't allow me to to break the news on, obviously, the Olympia and stuff like this. So we had to wait until, you know, a clearer moment. So I appreciate you, Fuad, for um, working with me on that time Always. frame. Being gracious. We, we obviously moved it this week to, uh, to this day. And I'm just glad to get on here and, and glad to, to, to be... Um, I guess supported the way I am. You know, I'm very yeah. blessed. I do what I do. I don't try to to be to be anybody I'm not. I'm always uh, conscious of of how I act, of course. Um. So you know, the only thing I've got to say is I appreciate everybody. You know, and I will say that this next chapter in my life is is one that I selfishly have to to do for me, for my family, and. Uh, it, it's only going to make me a better bodybuilder, a better businessman. And once this chapter is God willing gone, gone to plan. So everybody knows what I can do and what I'm capable of when I, I commit myself to, uh, to any show I've ever done. And, and I'm excited. So with that being said, you know, please uh, hit the subscribe button on the YouTube for all your YouTube followers right now. You know, I'm trying to give out content and tr- trying to be as, as you mentioned earlier, vulnerable and showcase this next journey. I've lost a lot of weight. Um, it's nothing that has uh, happened to me in the past before. This is now a journey and it's going to be documented and And uh, please follow along with the ride. So again, uh, thank you for, for this opportunity, mate. It means a lot and I wish you nothing. Genuinely, as we said earlier, nothing but the best. Celebrate your wins uh, long into the future, man. I'm proud of you, mate. Thank you, Flex. So before we go, one last thing. Are you... Can I get you to come on before or after the Olympia when you finally do get on stage? Well, the the, the ice has been broken, no, man. So, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> of course. So Absol- it'll be the next time. Okay. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, um, yes, I, I, I keep on doing your thing, man. We all have a, a good laugh at the 
at the bro chat and and yeah. all the, the guys coming together you've got some great personalities on that on that yeah. uh, channel and it's uh it's great to see um it's great to see what what the guys like nick are doing now you know he's yeah. in the early stages of his career what a what a great kid um you know so it's uh without really going on and dragging this interview any any more than than i already have with all my questions which i probably haven't answered half the fucking questions you've asked me today i didn't even, I didn't even I look at my notes <laughs> and also tell all the all the viewers listening i know i'm sitting right behind all this alcohol behind me most <laughs> nobody of, cares most of, this, most of this stuff has been gifted to me that, okay dana white gave me that bottle of uh hot howler head when i okay, went to wait the a minute before we start i gotta tell them before we yeah. started flex says to me i'm gonna move all this alcohol don't hit record <laughs> yet so he gets up and he starts moving and i'm like nobody gives a shit that you have alcohol yeah, well, I can't believe you just you had it was it must have been in your head the entire podcast. So you had, I keep on you see what my shoulder is. I keep on doing this to hide the alcohol, <laughs> but then as I'm moving around, it makes no sense. I'm like, so it's like I'm cock teasing them with fucking alcohol. Yeah. Now but, that you've drawn uh, attention to it, they're gonna fucking roast you for it. Uh, absolutely. Well, listen, I'm Welsh, so I'm not gonna say that I don't have uh, a couple of drinks. A drink here, here and there, on, yeah. On a planned occasion, and one of the last ones was the Conor McGregor fight. I'm sure everybody's seen seen the stories on that it was a, a great great evening it was my wife's uh, birthday also yeah so uh, i had one of the the big blowouts that i have once a year maybe twice a year and and celebrated um a lot of my friends successes along with finally celebrating the dragon's lair opening also which has been six months since we've done so so i think it was finally time so yeah everybody who's ever in vegas guys please come over to the dragon's lair you will not be disappointed um and, and I look forward to, to embracing when the world opens up, everybody around the world. Definitely. All right, Flex. You have a good day, brother. Thank you. Bye, bro. Thank you, you for it. Take care. Bye. We just slip it in. Slip it in like my sex life. All right. We're going <laughs> to... We're back. We're back for one, for one minute. So if you fucking hung up, if you, you turned it off, you miss, you're missing out. What do you want to tell me about the UFC? You got a podcast tonight? Um, yes, I'm doing something with... Uh, He's a very he's a personality with the UFC. He's called the Schmo. I know who the Schmo is. In our world, that's a different thing. But in yeah, the I know UFC, it. <laughs> he's very welcomed. Um, yeah. But he's a, a, a great uh, he's a great brand. He's how did you? How did you? Uh, he is actually he's hilarious. But how did you hook it? Okay, first of all, why is he doing a podcast with you? And how are you so ingrained in the UFC? Like, how are you so close with all the guys? So I'm a massive fight fan, right? As, yeah, as he knows. So I've become friends with a lot of uh, fighters over the years, um, many of them before they've become something. Like yeah. I, myself, and uh, my, my probably my oldest and, and closest friend in, as a fighter is Rumble Johnson, mm-hmm. Anthony Rumble Johnson, who's now in Bellator. Yeah. He, he and I met, oh my gosh, over 10 years ago at a, at a BSN appearance. He was with BSN, I was Gaspari. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and uh, we met there and... I went up to speak to him. He was obviously at his, his eight by tens. And I said, Hey, what's up, uh, Rumble? Big fan. He's like, Oh my God, Flex Lewis. I'm a big fan of yours. And I bl- blew my mind. Like yeah, yeah. that was somebody that I, that I obviously had watched many times on, uh, on the UFC, the earliest stages when the, when the guy was making 185. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Unbelievable. I knew he was a bodybuilding fan. Cause I saw him at the Arnold's one year. He was out, he was at, uh, Michael's, I think the steakhouse that everybody kind of goes to in Ohio. Yeah. Yes. And I saw him there and he kind of like knew all the guys. So yeah. anyway, I'm sorry. Go on. No, so no, you, no, met no, a, you met him at a BSN event. 
Yeah, and then I used to go on. Um, I got invited to obviously a closed sparring when he was fighting for these yeah. various um, for the for the up and coming events. I'd go around the country as as his friend, you know, in support. Yeah. So I've seen him win. I've seen him lose. I've seen all these things that subconsciously has made me a better athlete because I've seen how he handled his wins yeah. and defeats and how gracious he was. But how I met these guys again, you know, in the hotel rooms. Um, at sparring, you know, I met Usman. Yeah. Shit, I met Usman when myself and Ali first started dating. I met Usman, Michael Johnson, and Ryan Loco, the photographer, all in, yeah. the, in the first day I went to this gym. And we became, you know, over time friends. You just meet, make that impression and, and everything circles back. You treat people yeah. how you want to be treated yourself. Yeah. And then it, it all honestly pays dividends in the end. Even your fans, you know, I'm very blessed to have lines that are there for like two hours and I give time as much time as I can. I talk to everyone because guess what? That guy that stood in line for you for two hours could potentially be a business partner yeah. of yours, an investor or a diehard fan that never goes anywhere, you know? So yeah. a lot of the people don't have that mentality, but the fighters, um, I respect it a lot because it's, it's a very, uh, it's a tough life. Yeah. I can a tough life, and these guys at the time weren't really making a tremendous amount of money fighting at the low level, and they all climbed up, you know. So, uh, when I moved to Vegas, I um, and the from the connections that I had of old, I was invited over to the Apex, mm -hmm. and this is during COVID, so I had to have COVID tests, and I watched the fights that were shared on Fox. Yeah, uh, sorry, at the time it was Fox. Now it's ESPN Plus. And being a very selective, limited group of people. And, and as you know, if you're in that group of people, handshakes, yeah. connections, and that's how it's evolved, you know? So yeah. uh, I, I say this to every athlete that's striving. Don't stay in your bubble. Don't stay in your box. Meet and greet. Become an ambassador for the sport. Be an athlete. Treat, think of yourself as an athlete. I've never looked at myself as a bodybuilder. I've looked at myself as an athlete because I've come from an athletic background. Yeah. Everything I've ever done. So the UFC now um, has been uh, very, very good to me. You know, they've, they've, uh, they've invited me to many fights. Of course, I was at the Conor McGregor fight this past weekend yeah, and yeah. The, the weekend before that. And this past weekend, I was at uh, Khabib's training partner. I can't, I'll butcher his name. Islam. Islam. Makachev, I think. He's the, yes. He's yeah. the future. Yeah. Yeah. He's the future. Can I, can I actually interrupt you for one second? I just want to say everything you said is right. Everything you said is correct but it's a skill like that's not what what you do i've seen you work lines and i've seen you talk to people and <clears throat> what you do is not it doesn't come easy to people like mm -hmm. you're very um approachable and easy to talk to and uh you make people feel comfortable when you're talking to them right that's a skill it doesn't that doesn't just you know you can't just snap your fingers and say i'm going to do that so like I was invited to a UFC party kind of back, back backstage with a lot of the higher up executives and stuff. I completely squandered that time because I didn't do what you're saying. I didn't mm -hmm. sit with enough people and get to meet them and get to know them and tell them who I was. And I was kind of reserved like mm -hmm. most, like most bodybuilders are. So everything you're saying is hundred percent true. It's just people have to find how, how to make that skill work for them. Like, how to create that skill, right? Because it's not as easy as just saying, you know, be an ambassador. You have to be able to have that personality and you have that. I've seen you do it in real life. Yeah, so, I, didn't have, I didn't grow up with that though. 
So you worked on that. Like you specifically like forced yourself to be more open or more sociable. Yes. You know, if I knew that bodybuilding was going to incorporate me getting up on a stage and talking in a mic, I probably would have been a little shy to do this sport. Yeah. I remember winning my first show, I'm sorry, winning the, uh, the British, then getting invited to do a, a seminar at, the, at a gym up in England. And I didn't know what a freaking seminar entailed. I thought it was going to be loads of people up there. And I was just part of it. No, I walked there. It was one chair up on this stage. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what the fuck am I going to talk about? I've been there. <laughs> and I was so unprepared. And yeah. I, I call it green. But you know, being given that mic, I had to fake it until I make it. And, and I don't, yeah. that sounds horrible, but in many cases, I've gone up there as a bag of nerves and I had to just be like, okay, just talk. But that part's easier. I honestly find like, yeah. so I promote shows just like you do, right? I find it easy to walk out in front of the crowd with a microphone and talk to everybody. It's kind of like I'm still on stage. It's, it's a separated thing, right? Mm -hmm. You're not connected. It's still separated. Mm -hmm. But the hand-to-hand, -hand, you know, meeting somebody face-to-face -face and connecting, mm -hmm. being sociable, making small talk, being able to be approachable, that's, like you said, that also takes practice. Like, yeah. you probably, I mean, because you're Mr. Olympia and because your lines have been so long and because you've had to be at so many different appearances, so many different expos, it's probably like a second nature thing to you. Well, no, it is, yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I can get on a stage right now without even... Well, I, uh, without even a thought, you know, yeah. it's me and Mike and said, Hey, we want you to keep this crowd moving on up yeah. there for 10 minutes. Not a problem. I could, I could tell a few jokes as well as, you know, talk yeah. about whatever's going on. But um, I, I think also a lot of the people that I've met on the up and I've become, and I've kept in contact with of all at one point in time, because of the, the sport they're in possibly, uh, I've purchased a magazine, a flex magazine, uh, during the era that I was competing in. Yeah, so yeah. that always helps. And for yeah. the ones that don't know who I am, and I might have been introduced, it's the it's the handshake that of introduction. It's if you was to do your own handshake, uh, it wouldn't be the same outcome. Yeah, yeah. So it's putting yourself into uh, circles and having the people around you that. Um, that can open doors as much as doors can, you can open for other people, you know, and, and, yeah. and they blessed to sit back and look at who's around me because yeah. you're a product of your environment, right? Yeah, I've yeah. got guys who are super successful business owners. I got athletes that are around me that's super successful in their, in their own field and iron sharpens iron. And I can take a little bit of, of everything from them people and put it into my own life. Yeah. Um, and you know, the bottom line to all this is if you want to be better, see what the guys that are doing that are at the top of their tree. Uh, sorry, let me start again. If you want to be successful, see what the guys at the top of the tree are doing and emulate their success. Yeah. Be moral, morally correct. Be intelligent in how you, you do things and be you. Don't try to change yourself for anybody, but... These guys have got to the top of the tree by, by following a successful recipe. Learn from that successful recipe. Ask the question because you can do it too. You know, listen, I'm a kid from Wales. Now I sound like uh, I've told this many times, but I was written off from the get go for that. You know, people yeah. said, I'm not going to win a show. I won a show. 
People said, I'm not going to go pro. I want a pro card. People said, I was more than going to win a pro show. I want a pro show. They, they, that was it. Keep telling me I can't. And I yeah. love to prove people wrong. And, um, you know, again, the reason my success has really um, blown up in the last couple of years in business is because of the, the friendships I have outside of the sport. And when you surround yourself with savages that are tenacious to become better athletes, business owners, whatever else, it cannot not rub off on you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. What is what is the podcast about tonight? Why why is the schmo interviewing you? Just because you're a fight fan, or is it something to do with bodybuilding, or all of the above? All, all of the above. above. Yeah, you got to tune in to understand. I am going to tune in. Is... <laughs> no, no, I want to I want to tune in and listen because uh, I like I like the schmo. I like his character. He's he's a great guy. I've got to know him on a personal level. Um, What's he like in normal life? Is he like totally different, right? Yeah, him and his was... wife, Helen. I'm always baffled by, I've heard that about so many people that are big personalities uh, online or on TV. And then I've heard that in real life, they're just these completely, and I don't know how you turn that on. Like, like when I turn the camera on, I'm just me. Like, I don't know how to like pretend to be this character. When he puts his glasses on, uh, he becomes the guy. And I, and I asked yeah. him that question. I think being a journalist in that field, you're just a dime a dozen. Yeah, um, and he does really ask some great questions. You know, you got Ariel Hawani, yeah. who normally likes to dig and, and twist the knife a little bit and gets on Dana's nerves. With yeah. the show, he stays within the parameter, but he he asks some really cool and great questions yeah. Yeah. that um, a lot of fans may want to ask or um, not thought of. So, yeah. you know, with with his brand to get the attention he did, he created this character. Yeah, I know. That makes sense. Now he interviews everybody. He's he, but he knows like okay, listen, I've been there too, and he's gone. Uh, he's talking as we are talking right now. Yeah. And then he'll put the glasses on and he'll turn to his wife who's filming, you know, and she'll all right, ready, come. Hey guys, I'm the you know all this. I'm the pro. That's the show. <laughs> and he turns into that guy. I mean, yeah. we all can do it, right? We can all do it in a sense. Like you walking on stage. When you, you could do it, but you could you could we can all do it, but how well? Like oh, yes, yes. Because some is, people, some people are very proficient at. Yeah. Just switching that, you know, turning on like that. Yeah. And he's one of them guys. And, yeah. and obviously he knows I'm a fight fan. So we're going to, we're going to talk about the, um, the upcoming fight between uh, TJ Dillashaw and Sam Hagen, which is going to be a bad Who do you think is going to win? Oh, I'm taking Sam Hagen. Well, breaking down the fight. Sam Hagen is an unbelievable fighter on his feet. Right. But he doesn't have that takedown skill tj is kind of complete he has takedown and he has um and he has stand up but tj's also been away for two years sandy and is, he's natural uh, and, <laughs> I, he is, yeah. I think uh i i'm mine's an emotional pick i'm not a i'm not a fan of tj yeah i've, I've met tj a few times I don't, um, I don't know how he is person as a like a person like personally obviously he's probably a nice guy but yeah i don't know i've always been a in the garbrandt camp so, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. I seen his last fight too. Are we gonna put? Are we gonna place another bet? Oh, for this weekend, bro. I might be on the same side as you. So, <laughs> and, I, and I done well last week. I had Misha Tate winning in a convincing factor, and I had um, Islam winning yeah. in uh, winning in the fourth. Who are you taking for Derek Lewis and uh, Surreal? 
oh, that's gonna see that's gonna be a banger. You can't count out Derek Lewis. That guy I is, love Derek Lewis. Stones in his hands. Uh, I love Derek Lewis. He's just Stone. fucking. And, and his gas tank has improved significantly. He's oh. just this guy who's like, I don't give a shit. I just like to fight, and yes. I, I like to get paid, and yeah. I don't give a shit about all this other crap. Yeah, yeah, that's that's gonna be a banger. When is that? August. August. I'm not sure. I don't know the exact. I know it's only a few weeks away, but. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be. We'll circle back on that, but All I right, know we'll, we'll see on text about the, uh, yeah. the upcoming fight this weekend. I actually have the opportunity to go to the fight too, but uh, I'm going to be away, so I'm going to be. Uh, I'm taking the family away this weekend. Where are you guys to, going? Going to St. George, Utah. Where's that? Um, it's in between, obviously Vegas and and Salt Lake City. It's oh, like, okay. Yeah, but we're um, we're taking the kids, so. Keaton, the muscle, and Diesel Dave, the, the Diesel Brothers. Okay. On the Discovery Channel. Uh, we're all putting, the, we're all bringing the families and the kids together, and we're all staying in a big house and letting the, letting the kids run wild. So RD like- obviously has has had um, shed set obviously like half maybe six months without having any type of kid to play with. Yeah. And now she's gone to camp. She's loving it. So. Yeah. Um, we're trying to keep uh, keep on moving, and again, just to see friends who have kids of a similar age and, yeah. and have that fun. And then I'm off to off to Cancun to meet my parents. That's going to be fun for you guys, man. Yeah, God willing, yeah. God willing. Yeah. We're trying to bring them bring them in. I already tried once to play them over, and unfortunately, they got stopped in Heathrow Airport by an asshole uh, immigration officer. And they had paperwork like this. The guy didn't even want to listen to it. I think things are, things are a little better now, though, so hopefully. Yeah, but they still have to quarantine. So 14 yeah. days in Mexico, and then I can bring them across. And, but needless to say, I'm, I'm excited to have them here. They're a massive part of my life. And I, I haven't even given, been able to give my parents a hug since 2019. Yeah, so that's crazy, man. Thank God for, for FaceTime and Skype and all of the above and text yeah. messages because that's really kept us. I mean, Christmas Day this year was a Zoom call with all the family yeah. and that sucks. Oh, well excited. But on that note, and an end in everything, uh, there's some great things that are going on, guys. I'm working hard on some really cool moves, and you won't hear about it obviously until it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all for the growth of the sport and, and trying to give back. And and if they, if everything goes to plan, then it's going to be a cool journey followed going into my next Olympia prep. And I'll leave it at that. When's your podcast air with this schmo? Do you know? I'm not too sure, but not before yours. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> all right flex thanks a lot brother this is part two already finished okay yes yeah we won't do that again okay, <laughs> okay. you better mind what all right brother we'll talk but thanks for watching please subscribe share with your friends and like the video and if you get a chance check out the description for all the different links to all the different places you can find hostile and myself and lastly check out hostile.com for our new line of supplements and all of our apparel and gear Thanks again for watching.